0: What's happening, my low-value males and my low-value females as well. All of you, welcome back to an all-new episode of Low-Value Mail with your host, me. It's always me. One day it might not be me, but it's, it's currently me. It's currently me. This is episode 87 of Low-Value Mail. Can you believe we've made it 87? episodes i might skip episode 88 just to fuck with some people no don't worry um we got a great episode f- tonight though we got it we got a banger i'm su- i've been super pumped about this for a while and we have uh with us tonight joan grillo uh if you don't know him he's a journalist based in mexico focuses on crime drugs police uh and gangster politics and you, you can check out his sub stack he's written a bunch of books he's got a really good uh like he just all this stuff his Twitter's awesome he, he he has some really like nitty-gritty inside stuff and all the cartels all the all the stuff that you kind of I guess we see but in the news but he's uh really getting into it so we're gonna bring him on shortly I'm very excited for that uh, before we get started as always please like And subscribe to the show tell a friend that's fine T- tell one of your friends leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble shout out to everybody over on Rumble. Uh, you know, just do whatever. And if you want to support the show, um, you can do so patreon.com slash low value mail. M a I L one day in the future. Uh, this will be a longer show. This will be eventually, this will be a much longer show, but not until we can get these numbers up. So, um, you know, and so even if it's a comment on YouTube it all this stuff helps like and comment, I know you're probably like, you're so apathetic and you go, nothing matters. Nothing in the world matters. Some things matter. It helps. I don't know. It can't hurt. Although, I guess if you, like, I don't know. Um, It can't hurt. Anyways, um, so so do that. And you get a wrench. You see these people with these fancy blue wrenches? You could be one of them. Get a wrench. So consider doing that. Or don't. I don't know. I'm... I just like doing the show. Um, Also, there's YouTube memberships are back. I know for sure this channel is going to one day get demonetized and I'm going to lose them again. But you get these like kind of weird emojis. And if you want to support the show, but you want to do so through YouTube. And I'm actually going to give away a membership and maybe two tonight to see if I can get that going again. But it's almost a guarantee they're going to do the way things have been going for me lately. (laughs) Not looking good. Uh, So they're probably going to take that away from me anyways. And. Probably this channel at some point to be perfectly candid, but until then, if you said how there's a little thing and says you got to like turn on memberships, I don't know that you got to figure out yourself. I can't, I can't do it all. Um, and new episode of the bathhouse tomorrow night. Currently, I have Lev Fur, Karen Fian, uh, maybe some other special guests dropping through. Uh, Karen promised to eat four pizzas this time, so she did not say that. I'm putting words in her mouth. Um, Langston Industry says they hate Danny because he's Jewish. I'm telling you I exist solely to just refute all the uh, Jews have some sort of advantage in in media because they just keep kicking me off everywhere so uh, although I I don't want to jinx it but maybe I'll get my Instagram back but I still don't even have an Instagram account do you believe it can you fucking believe it all right enough dicking around without further ado let us bring on Yoan Grillo hold on oh and hold on
1: Yeah, there we go Hey, Yohan, can you hear me? I can hear you fine, yeah, oh, yeah Oh,
0: fantastic, welcome to the show I'm very excited for this one uh, I've been following your Twitter for, I don't know, for for some time now um, And you are a wild You 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 live a pretty I don't know if your life is actually that wild Like, but you definitely uh, Put yourself as, a, you know, obviously And you're like a real journalist You're not like the <laughs> TV journalists <laughs>
1: uh well yeah i mean there is some wild surreal stuff that i've seen uh and sometimes it does seem like a movie uh but like a lot of stuff it can switch on and off you know like sometimes you have regular days and regular parts of stuff
0: right just kind of you
1: know, kind of crazy narco world and other crazy worlds and it is genuinely surreal and nuts So. And just- big matter yeah it's, it's crazy
0: it's crazy and i mean obviously like you know I, I live in new york but obviously a lot of people in america you know a lot of the drugs in this country that come in from the southern border everybody knows you know there's been countless movies hollywood movies done about like you know the tv show narcos all this stuff so uh you're obviously from the uk H- how did you wind up in uh in mexico
1: yeah so uh um I uh, dicked around, to use the expression that uh, you just had there, I dicked around for a bit when, uh, when I was uh, a bit younger, finally got myself together and wanted to get into being a journalist uh, around the turn of the millennium. And I had a, I kind of was in the idea of Latin America. Uh, I'd lived in Madrid, uh, learned Spanish in Madrid. And back then I had a kind of idea. I'd seen the movie Salvador, Oliver Stone from the 1980s. You ever seen that movie? I have not, no. It has James Woods as a crazy photographer who's down covering the Civil War in El Salvador in the 1980s. Uh, and I kind of saw that growing up and I kind of wanted to be that guy, the kind of James, crazy James Woods character running around. Uh, and so I was kind of, uh, you know, thought maybe Latin America back then would be, you know, groups of guerrillas uh, fighting uh, government dictatorships um and so i came to mexico one way ticket in a backpack year 2000 23 years ago now i've been here 23 years in mexico arrived here with the idea of being here a couple of years got a job at an english language newspaper which was an option back then to get into journalism which doesn't exist really much anymore and started writing stories earning like 600 bucks a month um uh you know living in mexico city running around on on the buses micro buses and and just going out and getting stories and writing them for this english language paper and 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 it kind of went downhill from there
0: okay and so and were you always covering like is it just kind of natural that you just from covering the news there that you wind up covering this stuff or were you specifically like because they're like the narcos they're powerful right like they have militaries like they're they're huge organizations. They're not like uh, this small little thing, right?
1: Yeah. So when I came out, I, I had more of an idea. You know, I didn't really think about, I want to cover gangsters. I want to cover cartels. Um, I had more, I don't know, I had, say, a dream of running around with a guerrilla group who was like uh, in camos fighting the government. So I kind of, I, I kind of like the idea of adventurous journalism, but not particularly the drug cartels. I arrived here, I realized that era of like the 20th century um, kind of left Right, Che Guevara war had finished, and this new narco war—a weird little thing that stri- that strikes me. The most famous figure in Latin America, perhaps in the 20th century, was Che Guevara. Yeah, C H E. Then Guevara. The most famous in the 21st century could well be man. Right.
0: Again,
1: C H G U. I mean, maybe these little coincidences. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, uh, sure, sure. But like,
1: but it's funny how. Uh, names can grab attention and this kind of stuff can become very, very popular. But I kind of realised in this turn of the millennium that this old kind of wars had finished, These new things were happening. And and really, it was a new kind of war starting. Now, initially, when I was at this newspaper, I actually did start right away on the crime beat. Now, one reason was I grew up in England uh, near a city called Brighton, 1980s, early 1990s with a lot of drugs around, a lot of, you know, I knew four young men uh, uh, or or, or, teenagers or young men who died of heroin overdoses back then, Uh, a lot of different kind of drugs growing up. So when I came here and I suddenly saw this kind of big drug trafficking stuff around me, I became very interested and this kind of link between uh, drug um, consumption, drug use, drug culture and drug trafficking and drug production. Uh, and then early on, I started, you know, I started hooking up, phoning up uh, like these, uh, this big kind of you know, old narco journalist in Mexico who survived being shot four times um, and was kind of already really on the case and started communicating and became fascinating. It seemed like a riddle, this story to solve. Like, who are these guys? Who are these narcos? Yeah. Um, how come nobody ever sees them? Now, then in the time that I started doing, I then got a job for the Houston Chronicle in Houston, Texas, as a super stringer, it was called back then. Where you, you know, I sent them stories and start getting some decent money then, and, and was basically working full time for them, but not with uh, health benefits and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah,
0: okay. And, from, uh, from Mexico,
2: though.
1: From Mexico, yeah. Uh, and they would, you know, they they would say that they would describe their reader as being Bubba, the typical Texan. Was yeah. Bubba yeah. So, "Oh, Bubba doesn't like that. Oh, Bubba likes that." And they were kind of really interested. And then while I was working with them, this turf war broke out. On the border with texas uh in the city of nuevo laredo over from laredo texas
0: gotcha
1: Uh, and they this was got 2004 they said just get up there and cover this like a war is the name of the 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 words of the editor he's like just get the hell up there we need stories every day just get up there and cover it like a war so i was going to say just get up there and cover it and uh, i went up there and back then it was no security protocol just get up there uh, flying to Monterey, rent a car, just driving the city. Just, get, just give us some stories, whatever you can find. So I was like, okay, how do I how do I try and do this? So I started going to like drug uh, rehab centers. I thought, you know, I, to, I know a lot of drug addicts growing up. I yeah. could talk to drug addicts here, and they could tell That's just me like about
0: kind of how you start to be like, how do you can just point me in the direction of these like narcos? Yeah, yeah. And, just... I, I, and
3: then
1: and then started going like, I know I'll be going I'm walking into police stations and, and kind of doorstepping. Uh police detectives there in Mexico. Uh no, I know, Now I'm looking back, I know really understand more what they were doing. I was this kind of young kid going there, stick a microphone in your face. Yeah, tell me what's going on here. Uh, and I started, so I started getting some stories then. Now what was actually happening right there on that border and, and the violence there suddenly escalated. And that was actually historic change in violence in Mexico. So then it went from the old gang bangers who would used to like fight back in the 1990s? They used to actually bring in American gang members into Mexico with tattoos and shaved heads and, and fight with pistols. They used to bring them into Mexico to carry out hits. These are, like, oh, they're tough guys. They grew up in LA, grew up in San Diego. You know, they're tough. Um, and then in, in a battle called Logan Heights. But then what happened in the 2000s, what I was covering is this, this cartel said, okay, look, fuck those guys. Let's get in guys from the mexican army to work for us so they recruited a bunch of guys from the mexican military special forces who've been trained by the united states um in anti-insurgency tactics and brought them in and these guys were like okay uh no no pistols it's gonna be ak-47s ar-15s bulletproof jackets radios metal helmets and we just we're just gonna wipe out basically wipe out yeah so when I was there covering this, like, I didn't really, you know, I was covering a historic moment, but you don't know it's historic at a time. There was these gangbangers coming and these these guys just like wipe them out and then pile up their bodies and leave a note saying, mandanos mas pendejos como esto, which is like send us more uh, idiots like this, It's is a polite translation, and we'll kill them. Um, and then it escalated because then the other cartels goes, oh, right, if those guys have got military guys, then we'll get them. So then I got and to the year.
0: what was the first organization to get the military guys like like uh, the, so it was, the,
1: it was it was the Gulf cartel they called it okay. the Gulf cartel um under okay. a guy called Ocel Cardenas okay based at of, of Morris and the, then they were called the Setas. yeah uh, was I the thing of, of yeah the Setas was the name of this group of like military guys paramilitary guys
0: oh okay and did that give them like a huge kind of advantage to be the first to do that
1: yeah exactly initially and i mean since since then it's interesting i've now i've got like 23 years of this and this is like the beginning and i can talk about 23 years of an escalating changing uh, armed conflict basically in mexico since then now i've talked to people who in the narcos were running the things then um people who were the, like the setas and people who were like uh, on both sides uh they described themselves the setas when they first came in as being like we're rebels going up against these established bigger cartels and with these kind of young rebels who are fighting the big cartels but we're gonna hit them with more violence
0: but what's exactly I, the rebellious element because they're still just trying to make money selling drugs right
1: yeah I mean that they, they, they I he's kind of this guy this is a good quote this guy said we saw ourselves as being like revolutionaries saying revolutionaries against the more powerful cartel
2: mm-hmm.
1: like oh, you know, we're we're kind of come up there and using I mean I know it's a it's a it's a weird culture when you get into it Some of the there's a but there's a museum in Mexico City where the army have with all these captured stuff they get from narcos. And some of the things they have these guns with these different, um, gold, you know, bathed in gold and diamonds and stuff. And there's one of this, this narco, they found like 14 guns, and one of them had a picture of, uh, um, it was Pancho Billa, the, um, you know, the, the, the revolutionary guy. Yeah, yeah. And then the next gun was Versace. So like, you know, these guys like, yeah, I like Patrick, but also I like Versace. So you get kind of get a weird thing of like somehow feeling like a rebel or revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, but also being super consumerist.
0: Right. Yeah. Just like ballers, basically. And how do you, because you get like interviews with guys who are, which seems crazy to me, but maybe just it's different in Mexico, but they're like active members of cartels like you you kind of like talk to them right like yeah because like i think like in america you ever like they would be like i'm not talking to a journalist i'm currently committing crimes whereas there they're like a little and there was like i saw you're posting about it there's like they have instagram pages like they're trying to just basically like blow up and be famous and i was looking at before the show started like one of their instagram pages uh that guy and you're like yeah they're just crazy weapons he's got like tigers and stuff
1: yeah I mean, this is like I say, this this now this, them use that they've been using like media and propaganda stuff for some years, but more recently we've got like when now we're dealing with a new generation of guys. So like, you know, at the beginning now like, I go back twenty years ago, twenty three years ago, and there was like old guys that kind of were well, older than, than than I was at the time, and. Um, you know these old wizard narcos who grew up in the mountains and come down with sandals and started these cartels and now we've got them then they had a new generation they kind of called them the juniors and now we've got the new generation you know like like uh, um, and these are these are people they come up so these people now this guy we had an interview I published an interview today on my substack that my colleague uh, conducted the interview and it was with a, a narco whose nickname is El Plaga or the Plague and he says that's because he leaves nobody alive, like a plague. Now, he was 24 years old. So he, you know, somebody who was like born in 99, you know, a real kind of a, maybe a, a, an older Generation Z, Generation yeah. Z. And who grew- 2000. Yeah, yeah. 2000, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and who's like, they start using Instagram. Now, it's it is nuts. You say, why why are these guys using Instagram? When they're on the run, yeah, now there's different things. One is that they people they like the fact that they can be on the run and be using Instagram and have tens of thousands of followers and be showing off that shows even more power, right? Like the government's not even arresting me here. I've got 64,000 followers on Instagram and I'm showing off my guns and my, my pet monkey. They even had a Yeah, I saw, though. Monkey. Yeah, they,
0: they, that, that's like a big thing now, is they have pet monkeys. That's just like status. St- well, they had the tigers.
1: One. Yeah, I mean, they, they've had tigers and, and, and lions for a long time and they, they've fed people to them and that kind of stuff. But, like, the first monkey appeared last year in, in, in his gunfight in Mexico State, and it was dressed up. It was with a bunch of gunmen, and they had the monkey dressed up in a bulletproof jacket and actually kind of with them. And it was like – and it they got, they got killed. And then they wrote a song about it. Had its own like drug ballad about the monkey. Yeah, there's
0: a whole like music scene
1: around it as well, right? Well, so ma- it's massive, massive, massive. Gig. Yeah. It's nice. So, so, so the Instagram thing. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the music is again. This goes back a long time, and it and it keeps changing. Um, they pay they pay people to write songs about them. Yeah. They now all some of the artists writing these songs are are very very popular. I mean, these are people that you can see. 200 million views on their videos on youtube right i mean that's how. can big. you
0: turn it down like is there that kind of thing where you're like like do they just if you say no i don't want to do it and they just kind of say okay or is there like uh they like do they, do they make people write songs under like kind of threats
1: well it's interesting because so you you have people who write that genre they often that genre of drug ballads they might do Love songs as well, but they have they dedicated to that song of drug. So once they're into that genre, they kind of need to understand it. Now I talked to one, I interviewed one um, musician, one singer, um in in LA, um and he described to me how one of the very big drug lords, a guy called El Mencho, who's one of the biggest drug lords in Mexico, uh, contacted him through through a uh, an intermediary and said, "I want how much do you charge for a drug ballad?" They call them corridos, yeah. And he said, "Well, it's kind of like once you get that kind of, it's kind of hard to currently say no." So he said forty thousand dollars, thinking yeah. I'm mean, I mean. and and the guy came back saying, "I'll take two.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably one, that's like <laughs>
1: one, one for me and one for this gunman, this trigger man who's been really good and he deserves his own song. Song, yeah. So this guy wrote the songs and he said. The drug lord himself sent him the kind of lyrics that he wanted, and he said he looked at them and they, you know, they, they had, to, had to kind of help them a bit, make them a bit more poetic and make them rhyme and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, these and then he, he did them. And uh, and but then you see some bigger name bands, um, who have got you know, songs, you know, people who are very high on Spotify right now, you know, real big guys. But this artist I'm talking about was a guy, he was one, not one of the biggest ones, and he'd have. Videos on YouTube with, like, 50 million views.
0: Wow.
1: So this is how big this culture is. I mean, it's it's big in Mexico. It's big in the United States because the, a lot of these these artists, I went to the record label. Now, some of these, again, they have these artists who do love songs and then switch to doing corridos a lot of the time. There'll be other ones who just do pure love songs. But, like, they'll basically play in any state in the United States yeah, and get, like, 10,000 people right well i mean i guess it's similar to like
0: gangster rap but then it's kind of like in that realm i guess kind of It
1: it, it is no no so, it totally is and uh, one of the earlier uh guys who was kind of one of the fathers developed the genre was a guy called Chalino sanchez and he he kind of blew up around the same time as gangster rap did you know he actually blew up in 92 that so he blew up and then was literally shot dead he actually was first shot in coachella not the festival but playing in a in A kind of in a, in a venue in, in the town of Coachella,
0: okay.
1: Survived, he, he took out a, a pistol while he was on stage, fired back into the crowd. Actually, <laughs> shot somebody dead in the crowd. Um, it, you know, he, he didn't get charged with that because he was defending himself, he was, was in a coma for a bit, survived, came out, started singing, went, went to Mexico four months later, uh, and was shot dead. Um, but he was the guy, so when he kind of a lot of the um. Uh, the the kind of cholos they call them, the guys in LA were the kind of gang bangers then with shaved heads. And
2: yeah, yeah. They started
1: like, you know, this is our, this is our guy, this is our gangster. Uh, and if you look now in LA, a lot of the young people are wearing all the same kind of uh, Mexican style, uh, kind of cowboy, mixed kind of cowboy yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that. That, That's like popularized from that. Was there ever, uh, I remember seeing this like super briefly on some TV show. I'm sure you'd know a lot, but like the this big like mariachi component where like there was all these like mariachi bands getting basically like killed because they would get like rented by these like narcos for parties. And then there'd be like a turf war over mariachi bands. Am I remembering this correctly?
1: Right. Yeah. So, so like basically like what like I would like to say, when I first came to Mexico, I'd look at these musicians they would all look like mariachis to me. Right. And I'd be like, Oh, they're all mariachis. They're all guys in, you know, you know. Ma- ma- mariachi is more of a, a, a particular style. Yeah. Uh, mariachi. They'll, they'll, they'll play, the mariachis will play more the kind of traditional um certain traditional kind of songs and They have those like
0: songs. giant like acoustic yeah. guitars yeah.
1: yeah so there's guys that to the to the untrained eye might look like mariachis but they're kind of more of of, of like they're more um norteño musicians from the north parts of mexico okay uh, they play but they're, they're playing these good like they play these um uh a, a kind of type of guitar called a bajo sexto, which is the type, of, type of guitar They'll be playing... Some of them will have a full-on band with, like, trombones and stuff. And a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them, are because they, 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 they will sing and as well, they'll they sing some of these corridos, these these drug ballads. So these drug ballads will be this traditional kind of music backing. And, and they'll be... Now, some of them will be... There's different reasons why they've been targeted. Sometimes it might be because they're associated with a particular cartel or a particular gangster or set of
0: gangsters but like they're for hire right because i remember in mexico city there's like this tequila museum thing you know what i'm talking about and Uh, garibaldi
2: uh, yeah yeah
0: garibaldi yeah and outside of it on like there's like all these like they all show up like it was yeah yeah. you know what i'm talking about
1: yeah exactly so so that, that that works the same thing so like uh, you gotta you, people like to have mariachis at parties mm. or, or, or music at parties, live music. So you could bring in mariachis, you could bring in a banda, or you could bring in a grupo notenio, or a conjunto norteño. you could bring in different like different groups to these places. So Garibaldi is very traditional. Uh it's a good yeah, you go and have tequila there and there's a tena, tenampo a big place there called you could drink tequila and and have more like traditional kind of mariachis. Um but like a lot of the musicians come up with the violence was more like up in the north of Mexico, or in Michoacan, or like different states gotcha. outside. It's just, it's I mean, Mexico is a,
0: a huge country, obviously. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So this uh, I, I want to get back to like the whole Instagram thing. So like in, I guess in in Mexico, they know who the top like heads of these cartels are. Like, because in America, like you don't know who the top like whoever they are. Generally, like I guess you might know the head of like the Italian mafia is, but generally like they're, but in Mexico, they're just, it's open. Like they just, it's known who these guys are.
1: Well, it used to be uh more clearly open. So you go back a decade and it used to be like, I could name, you know, right across. Okay. The Juarez cartel is Vicente Carrillo Fuentes. Yeah. Um, I mean, El Chapo, everybody knows. Yeah. Golf cartel is Tony Tormenta. Uh, and he used to have these very, very clear, very public figures. Now, a lot of them then have been killed or imprisoned, extradited to the US or whatever. They've kind of been taken out. So nowadays, you don't know in a lot of these times who's really head of these cartels or if there even is one. So right now, for example, a lot of the big cities, you know, Ciudad Juarez, very, very big city over the border from El Paso. You don't really know who the, the head of that is right now. There's some names that just get thrown out. But you don't really know. Um, and now the, the problem is when you don't have these clear leaders, because now maybe to stand up, there are still some very big leaders like this guy Almencho I mentioned. The sons of El Chapo, Los Chapitos, and big El Mencho. Like
0: he's young, right?
1: No, no, he, El Mencho's not young. He's like an old guy. Oh, oh okay. Like I'm thinking, old, of some, thinking of something. i There's yeah. a guy called El Mayo who's still very powerful. He's seventy five years old. Been like trafficking for over half a century.
0: And how do they uh, avoid, uh, like how, how do, is it just strictly just corruption like how do they avoid uh corruption? well yeah i
1: mean there's talk about there's the rumors about him i mean there's this guy on mayo has been trafficking for over 50 years and hasn't spent a day in prison
0: that's crazy normally yeah. like they all you know at some point have some sort of run in where you go they even if it's like
1: brief so so the the rumors people say with this guy on mayo is he has a deal with the cia now i can get we're gonna get to into. that shortly
0: because I've, I've
1: yeah yeah really get that. into the cia thing because a whole bunch of stuff there but like either way he's made deals and and he's managed to stay stay out of prison
0: and so and that's the rumor in mexico is that he, he has a deal with the CIA. yeah
1: there are a lot of people who say oh now now there is you say you can go into certain links that you can find right The whole so, CIA.
0: yeah and so obviously because so uh, we had a question uh from david in the chat about um fentanyl basically because that's obviously a big issue I think what I saw you say is that uh they they obviously they manufacture and import fentanyl in the, the cartels is that their new thing is that above cocaine
1: yeah uh yeah so basically um there's been a shift um a revolution in the drug thing in the last few years from the plant-based drugs to synthetic drugs so cocaine to crystal meth yeah and heroin to fentanyl and that's purely Uh, just profit motives nothing
2: else it's
1: profit driven and you know there's because you have you start putting pressure on like um you know you're, you're having so making heroin you grow you have you have guys in the mountains growing the opium and then the military can go in there can spray the opium or can go and rip up the fields Then also you have to wait for harvests and stuff, and then then you come down they make that into a paste, and you make it. You come down, you make it into heroin.
0: Huge process versus.
1: But then with fentanyl, you know, stuff coming out of a lab, it's like very very cheap to make. So I would say driven by profit. Now, I mean, is there some ulterior thing happening because fentanyl is so destructive? I mean, one thing that the you know you get the kind of crazy. Hard line, you know, maybe we get some hard people say, "I oh, you know it's all a big plot by China and the cartels to kill us." But then you look into this and you go, "Well, I mean, this stuff is pretty da- it's pretty dangerous." And why are the Chinese? What are the Chinese doing about this? You know, you start to investigate this, and you find things that so doesn't doesn't quite add up. So yeah, well, like so, so what are your
0: what are your personal? Because you probably have looked into this more than I guess. Well, so, most so
1: what you get now is for, for a while the Chinese were just the fentanyl is being made in China and just being taken into Mexico and then taken to the United States. Yeah. Under pressure from Trump, actually, they stopped China stopped making fentanyl. But then it makes the precursors. So it makes the precursors, they bring them into Mexico, they take them into the US. Now it just keeps on going up and up. The levels just keep on going up. Yeah. Um and is that like, uh,
0: a, is that like a Chinese mob or that, or like, you know, or, or, like who in China it's is
1: Chinese, Is seems to be pharmaceutical companies. And, I, and I, I don't know enough or I haven't got deep enough into China. Yeah, So I'm based here, but I do, you do see things like, for example, there was a sting recently where the DEA arranged, like set up a fake. We want to buy some ingredients. We want to make fentanyl. And, and this guy was like, great. Uh, you know, it was like, it was actually a, you know, we did a great yeah. We, we can help you make the fentanyl if you like. Yeah, we've got loads of people in Mexico and making fentanyl. And it was like a legitimate, supposedly pharmaceutical company. And they said, OK, great. And they paid, sent the money by Bitcoin. And the drug, uh, the, the, the precursor was sent in and they grabbed it. Now they then went, so we want some more. And let's go for a meeting in Fiji. They went for the meeting in Fiji the pharmaceutical executives came from China, met up in Fiji. And then there was a sting after they left, they got arrested and flown to Hawaii and put in front of a judge in Hawaii. Now what, this is a little bit rendition. Is it, is
0: it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. what's interesting is then the Chinese government came in quite aggressively saying, you can't arrest our citizens like that. You know what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? you you this is a rendition right now. If again, these, you know, why would they bother making an effort to try and save these people that are like, been this is killing a lot of Americans? Um, so it is interesting, and uh, I, I would think that a country as authoritarian as China could do more to try and stop this. Um, and um, and and so this,
0: do those, it, do those executives, like, they're just back to running their pharmaceutical company and they go, well, you know, we're just selling precursors to these drugs, like, we're not manufacturing
1: them essentially. Okay. So it's interesting because they can say, well, we just, we just, you know, these drugs could be what well, the problem as well, once you get to the global pharmaceutical industry, I mean, it, you know, it, cre- you know, it's creating all of these medicines all the time. And it's, and, and really what these opioids have come off that, you know, fentanyl was created and, and patented and has come out of the pharmaceutical, in- pharmaceutical industry. Now, you know, because you have that now, but they, they can and say, well, we're just selling medicine. But what the DA did in this thing was they deliberately made them say in their emails, oh, we want this to make fentanyl. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: fine. Great. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and then they Just do your thing or whatever. Is there a fentanyl <laughs> issue in Mexico, like in terms of the overdoses and all that stuff?
1: There's not much, but there are some in certain places. There's some in Tijuana, in Mexicali, in some of those border places where you start to see people, some of them because they've gone to the U.S., In the U.S., got into fentanyl, been deported and brought it back to Mexico. Now, in some places, and it's very interesting, the cartels will ban the sale of fentanyl locally because they don't want fentanyl being sold where their kids go to school or where their own hitmen are. They don't want to lose their hitmen to it. Now, But other places like Tijuana, they say, well, this is too much. We've got on the streets now. We're going to sell it here. And there's a lot of overdoses. Crystal meth is becoming a big problem in Mexico, in various parts of Mexico. A what, lot of what,
0: really, and why is that? It, just because it's just a cheaper drug? Uh, I
1: I I think Mexico. I think you do see sometimes within different cultures, um, different proclivities for different drugs, and I think within, um, you know, some cultures prefer uppers, some cultures prefer downers. I think here they they they'll go for uppers more, and.
0: But is it like that much cheaper than cocaine? Because I guess cocaine is an upper of you it. Know. Cocaine
1: is—they sell it on the street pretty cheap here. There's a lot of cocaine. You know, you got the north of Mexico. I've been up to these uh, villages in the north of Mexico, An old man is like 80 years old, and he's still like doing, you know, doing cocaine and stuff. And really? He, yeah, it's kind of crazy, and and, and and he's like he gets it from the local shop. It's like the local, literally the local grocery shop,
4: like a farm. They're like out
1: yeah. a drawer and they have like this this cocaine on offer it. It's kind of kind of crazy bizarre That's stuff. Yeah.
0: But it's not legal there, obviously.
1: No, no, it's not. But there's there's a certain toleration of, but they don't really bother much going for like if they grab you with a couple of wraps, you might pay a bribe, but they're not. They're kind of because they, they got such it. a.
0: <clears throat> they have like bigger, bigger <throat> fish to deal with, I guess. Um. Okay. So yeah. So uh, th- that's kind of interesting. I um. I didn't. Uh... So, uh, you know, what? I'm going to open the phone lines, actually, if anybody has some questions for you. The phone lines are now open, one triple eight nine four nine two nine six nine. Uh Call in if you have questions for Johan. Um, So, the is there a big issue, or, like, do the cartels worry about what's going on with the southern border? Is that, like, do they worry that, you know, that might kind of, like, if it gets too bad, and uh, not too bad, but, like, they're going to seal it up and that'll cause some issues for them? Or do they not even care about what's going on the border because they
1: have all their like they get their drugs in other ways? I mean, they've been extremely adept, uh, extremely good and effective at getting through the border. Uh, I mean, and, and it changes. It's constantly changing. You go back to the 80s. I talked to one guy who was a pilot in the 80s, and he just fly an airplane over from, you know, into California, mm. you know, with the lights off, just fly the, fly the plane in. Yeah, uh, so going back in those days, it was like there was like, um, you know, very little defense. Then they make defenses, they make walls, they'll find they're finding ways in. Uh, I mean, they've got these some of these like giant catapults, just they're like literally throwing these packages over the wall. Um, tunnels, obviously, everyone knows about you get you know, right. tu- you know, areas of tunnels. It's like, you know, it's just like kind of the
0: ultimate cat and mouse game. It's like they,
1: yeah, exactly. Now, now I don't want to say that. I mean, one thing You know, you look at the drug thing, you know, is it impossible to stop? It's very hard. The countries that have succeeded, I think, in fighting either drug trafficking or organized crime tend to be very authoritarian countries, to yeah. be fair. And I don't say it's because it's something I like, but like uh, some of the, the Taliban have suddenly been really effective at getting rid of heroin. Sure. While we, you know, the, the West, US, America, you know, US and, and the UK and stuff ran Afghanistan. They were trafficking shitloads of heroin. And now we're out of there. There's no, you know, heroin's not coming out. Uh, and they're, um, you know, they're really clamped down. So sometimes, you know, Mussolini was very effective at, at fighting the the mafia. And, uh, you know, you know, suddenly after Mussolini was taken down, you know, a lot of the mafia came back. So often it's very authoritarian countries. Right. And, and I don't know, like and now. It's just like a trade-off that you kind of people don't yeah yeah make I, I mean effort. right now in the u.s but, but the thing is with, with the fentanyl deaths in the u.s right now when you have it in a 12-month period they keep on going up and the last latest numbers is over 110 thousand in a 12-month period period yeah. you know this is an unprecedented yeah it's, overdose in the it's United more of the
0: craziness is that it's the contamination of like it's one thing when people were like you know oh some like uh, not um you know uh diminish it or anything but if like a heroin user dies of a heroin overdose or a fentanyl overdose people are like understandable but then when it starts getting mixed in other drugs you're just like okay so you know obviously America is a big drug taking culture and people are dying from it like you know
1: like often yeah yeah you know it's scary I, 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 I don't know if this is
0: true I heard a thing that someone was saying that they they tested L, a tab of LSD and LSD
1: had like was
0: contaminated with that's crazy, like those two things should never, yeah.
1: Ever... I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I was trying to figure this out and talk to people like, why do they have um, why do they put fentanyl in this stuff? I mean, you're, you're killing your users, you know. Yeah. Do you really want to mess them up? Well, but, I, like...
0: think I have a friend who's actually she's a doctor in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is like their very uh, liberal drug policy there, like they decriminalize all drugs there, and mm. uh, she basically is like the heroin users use fentanyl and then they build up a tolerance to it. So it's like, if you're a fentanyl user, you, you're not going to overdose on fentanyl. There's, you know, you, you create such a tolerance. It's the people who are say cocaine users never use fentanyl before, and then they have zero tolerance for it. And that's what, uh, that's what kills them. Um, I got a call right here. We're going to call one moment, please. Yoan. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for calling low value mail. Who am I speaking with?
3: Yeah. Colin, just a viewer Yo, Colin, What's up,
0: viewer? One moment please Alright, you're on with Yoan. Go ahead
3: Hey, what's going on? I just had A few questions, one was about uh, Which you mentioned About earlier, about the uh, Involvement of like military training So, like the School of Americas, you know, I mean Hey, I don't like communism Just like the next guy over, but the school, Are you familiar with them? You know, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Sure, absolutely, yeah. So obviously, like I, the School of America, they got renamed. Sorry, what, to, what like, is the school? West so actually, America. I don't know what this is.
0: What, what is the School of America?
3: Oh, please yeah, so, explain.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a it's a place in uh, in the United States, uh, Fort, 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 Fort Benning, Georgia. Yeah, where they where they train. Uh, they had a lot of uh, U.S. military training Latin American officers uh, in anti-insurgency, particularly. Gotcha. Uh, in the civil wars in the eighties, and uh, and they carried on training there through the nineties with and yeah, as today the new name,
3: yeah, carry on there. Sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, Noriega, one of the most famous, uh, mm-hmm. not the rapper, the yeah, the Panamanian, yeah. The, the yeah, he was one of their graduates. So um, my thing is, is like with the, when they say they would dissolution it and then dudes quit, and then, but what like. What other nations besides, because I know Israel, like former Israelis, they're also used to train the paramilitary groups, especially like with FARC and against FARC. And then kill with that, like, what are the chances for the auto-defensives, like the people in Mexico who are caught between the cartels, the government? And uh, I think there's a new one, CJNJ, Cartel uh, Polisco Nueva Canarón. Yeah, so what's the chances for the outer defenses? Yeah, sure
1: thing. So you had a couple of questions there. So let me answer, the. perhaps i go for, so you asked about the School of the Americas and about the, uh, about Noriega and the CIA stuff and then the outer the defenses. So if we go first to the, so basically, yeah, I think it's very true. And I think it's, I think you make a good point that if you look at how come, you know, I was covering crime in Mexico or supposedly I'm covering crime and I'm covering a war. But it's a really weird war. Uh, sometimes these guys can put, you know, there's been battles with, like, 2,000 federal police against 500 cartel gunmen. Or there's been battles with, you know, one of them with was 700 to 800 cartel guys against 350 soldiers. And then the, the government ended up, you know, backing off. So how come it's become a war? How could these guys get trained and armed and this kind of stuff? And absolutely, I mean, I think part of this was, um, you know, you had... In the 20th century, those wars I talked about earlier that I came to cover, um, that had finished, but then you know you get car- the echoes of these wars carrying on. So these militaries who are being trained in the United States and other places in Israel, different places, to fight insurgencies, ending up themselves kind of like loose and being armies with no bosses. Now the second thing you said was about Noriega. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at this—the history of. The drug trade, you have got these CIA links again and again and again, you can find. Um, Noriega, who worked for the CIA, you can find uh, links of arming the Contras in Nicaragua or against the Sandinista of Nicaragua were links to the CIA. You can find... Well, he
3: got screwed over. Yeah, but that's what happens when you work with the CIA. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, they take him out in the end. You can find in Vietnam, you know, go to Vietnam and you have the secret army in Laos, who were moving opium and were 558. So you can find that absolutely, the history is there. Now, um, the outer defense has, for people who don't know, the outer defense are uh, the self-defense forces who rose up in Mexico from about 10 years ago. Like, the idea of regular people, we're going to fight the cartels.
0: Now... Just because c- they were fed up that the government wasn't
1: doing it, and they were just going to, like, essentially, kind of militia. Exactly, exactly. Now, the thing about the cartels was the cartels are now not just trafficking drugs. The cartels are like, okay, we're trafficking drugs. We've got a bunch of guns. We've got a bunch of money. We can also steal oil from the government and we can make a billion dollars doing that. And we can also control the business in human smuggling, meaning people who are going without papers into the United States. We can control that and we can make 10 billion a year out of that as well. And then we can say, okay, you're growing avocados and they're very popular in the United States, we're going to make you pay every kilo of avocados that you export, you pay us a percentage. So suddenly they become like in bigger and bigger and involved. They become in all... the government, basically. They, they become in some ways like a shadow government. Yeah. So then you get some people rising up, and one of the particular areas was in fact, lime farmers was one of the areas with a lot of the self-defense forces. They were lime farmers were like, we're fed up of paying money. But also in some of these cases, the cartel guys were like, we're going to come to your house. And you're going to pay us. And also, we've well, got a nice daughter, and she's going to come with us.
0: Yeah. That's, and this is like 10 years ago. This isn't like you yeah. know, 150 yeah. years ago. This is recent. Yeah.
1: So these, so these people rise up. Okay. They rise up, take guns, and start fighting the cartels. They're, they're very successful. There's one of these out defenses the that gets like 10,000 people with guns fighting the cartels. Now, one of the problems is they win in some places. But one of the problems is... In some of these areas now, the nickname for them is narco defenses, not auto defenses. The reason being is because a lot of them, maybe 70%, 80% of the movement, are now themselves infiltrated by drug traffickers. Because the drug traffickers go, That's great. These guys are openly running around with guns and setting up checkpoints and all this kind of stuff. So we can do that. And also, the outer defenses, once they take over a town, it's like, Okay. No, you pay us.
0: (laughs) So they just there's essentially a a vacuum, and someone's going to fill it at some point. And the the government has no hope of like the actual non-shadow, actual government. Like they just can't figure out a way to do this.
1: Well, no one's worked out the formula. I mean, we'll see what happens over the years. Right now, you've got a move towards more of a a stronger military in Mexico. Um, They've got a thing called the National Guard, which is going to be like a civilian style militarized police force but basically they're run by the army they're growing in numbers but still well one thing is they're still corrupt as well i mean the, the military guys are also corrupt um and um did my video go there
3: no I see. yeah and as someone living in texas like yeah i mean dude, yeah dude i'm very like i grew up in houston like right now i live in austin but no, I'm like, I grew up in, in Houston. So like I can I can always like I grew to know how to spot like adjacent activities with all this. But as an American and I love corridos music, like the mm-hmm. narco Corredo, So you guys are, like I mean dude, I you hear that stuff like all my neighbors are just Mexican construction workers and they just blast it till like two in the morning. And I got no complaint, you know. It's better than other music that could be blast in the morning. But as an American who likes corrido music and Narco who loves avocados, who loves limes, and I guess I also do like uh, some of the um, narcotic substances, you know, they produce. <laughs> yeah. Not going to name which ones. And, like, what, like, should I feel bad? And also, why is Instagram pushing, like, narcos content on me? Where, like, Danny, Danny's getting kicked off Instagram but I still keep getting videos of Mexican I kick poppy off farmers. Just for comedy.
0: But are you looking at the Narcos Corrito stuff? And then they, th- they go, we think you... It, it's look. the music.
3: It's just all those cartel videos where they're rolling around with machine guns and body armor and pet tigers and cheetahs and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, uh, this is a... I mean, it's, it's kind of like it's... it's, it's dangerous, but it's the music. I just want to hear the music. That's, yeah, yeah. it makes your content. I don't know...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. uh, it, uh, it's a great point. It's crazy that it? you know Danny can't get on Instagram, and this guy we interviewed, a Plaga, has got like sixty four thousand Instagram followers, and it's like buzzing away. Um, you know, guys is delivering, uh, helping with the with the fentanyl killing Americans. Uh, it is nuts. It is nuts, and I can I, I not understand. There's some weird things happening. I don't honestly know about your question about you know should we feel bad. Um, I I don't know, and and I I don't I don't really like say to people you know, I never I never wrote columns saying you know feel bad for taking drugs because you know I grew up around drug taking culture I understand you're not going to persuade people in like, um you know in in I don't know Vermont or or in uh, Connecticut or in whatever taking drugs to say or, or or in England or whatever I
3: mean people just think about their environment. Well, and I and I, might, just, I don't think I'm ever gonna I'm not, I don't think I'm ever gonna feel bad about it because the thing with yeah. drugs I opinion on is like if you're gonna partake in this lifestyle of narcotics just go ahead and suffer like the normal consequences like money or decline in relationships or decline in health like you shouldn't be thrown in a cage because you have narcotics yeah you, for sure. you should suffer you should just suffer the natural consequences but what, it,
1: but what I would say is that- what I would say is this, like, I would say that the U.S. should be concerned about cartel violence and cartels building up in like 10, 20 years from what I've seen here. And I do think, I mean, on my views, I'd say my, so just some thoughts have changed. Uh, I mean, like when I grew up, I, would I was kind of I consider myself anti-police or whatever. Um, because you know I wasn't living in a super high crime um, area. But now when you see when violence is terrible and when people when you see people really like regular people really suffering, the thing about Mexico is this violence doesn't only hurt the bad guys. you've got like, you know, you know, I interviewed a woman whose son was dragged away, 18 year old son who was a student at you know university, dragged away in front of her by a bunch of guys with guns you know, really for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and that kind of violence, I'd say U.S. should be worried about how that violence would come up. And I guess I guess, sometimes, I mean, like, the U.S. kind of, U.S. law enforcement has kind of had over the years an idea, okay, we're going to take out the most violent criminals and we're going to take out serious organized crime. They kind of had that um, in a way, you know, like hit the mafia, hit serious organized crime, hit violent criminals. Now, if they, they need to keep that up, I believe, with the cartels if not america could also see some more a lot worse violence than it has seen does america attempt to intervene uh, but
0: in, in any way so, sorry like do they attempt to like kind uh, of gonna... no, uh, you, you know what i mean just like trying to influence mexican yeah like, yeah in, yeah. in terms mean, of like hey what? w- what's going on down there
1: yeah there's been a back and forth uh, over this for years uh i mean you know the united states funded the mexican military uh, gave the Mexican military a lot of gadgets. Uh, it was fun. I interviewed the, the Mexican president, former Mexican president over this, and he said when he sat down with George W. Bush when he was president, and they created a thing called the Merida Initiative um, in the city of Merida, and Calderón, the president of Mexico, he said to George Bush, uh, I think the Americans need to support us fighting this problem because you guys buy all the drugs.
0: Yeah.
1: And George W. Bush... Castillo? What was that? I yeah, yeah. What is it? Silarine. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with him. I'm familiar with him. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. But you no, know, just to say this, to finish this this quick anecdote. Oh. So then uh so George he said to George W. Bush, um, George W. Bush said, said to him, Okay, um, fine, what do you need? And the president of Mexico said, Have you seen the TV series 24? And Bush said, Yeah, I've seen that, and he said, I want all of the gadgets in that series. Really? <laughs>
3: Good show. Yeah. <laughs> so, you bring. So that's, yeah, sorry. Operation Fast and Furious was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that, but that's just like. And is it super well, easy well, to get did,
0: for like the Narcos and stuff? Because where do they get all their weapons from? Yeah, like, yeah. So so, smuggling so, them down
1: from the US? Yeah, so the cooler just, uh, sorry, what's your name? Uh, to the cooler.
0: Uh, we've never got his name. He, he yeah. comes in from time to time. We don't, we don't
1: know. We just call them the unknown one. Tex, Tex, Tex. Tex, yeah. The, uh, Tex. So Tex, um, you, you bought, Tex bought up Fast and Furious and um, Fast and Furious was an operation where uh, the ATF, you know, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms and Explosives were following gun traffickers, bringing guns from Phoenix, Arizona down to Mexico. Now they were actually watching them, and they watched like two thousand firearms be taken down, and didn't do anything. And so it became like a big uh, kind of idea. Now, what they were they were they deliberately arming the cartels. I actually looked at the investigation quite hard. I interviewed confidential informants, you know, and, and various people involved in this. And I do believe it was a, a massive screw up, rather than actually deliberate attempt. But basically, the firearms is a large amount of come from the United States. Yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, they ha- they have people in the United States. They go and buy um, with a, like straw buyers, where they pay somebody with a clean record to go and buy guns, or they go and use uh, they go and buy from private sales or find scams, and they move guns down here. Now there are some other sources of weapons because they also have RPG sevens and and big yeah, they weapons, have like
0: real military stuff, right? Yeah. Hey, there
3: there are still there are still what is it I think the number is uh like 2700 something stinger missiles like stinger firing anti-aircraft missile systems unaccounted for since the 80s in mm. between the borders of Mexico and Colombia. Like that mm. those are like 200 those are like 2000 uh, passenger airliners like and that could be just shot down. And yeah. be used as like hostage negotiations. It's just, it, it, they do get a lot of stuff overseas because in the videos I could tell by the markings and stuff. It's like, bro, these are not like these. Some of these weapons are made in the U.S., but some of these are like real. Yeah, like I could tell they're foreign made, like Turkish, like Turkish AR, Turkish shotguns, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's clearly just someone in yeah. the government letting all these ships go into port. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I looked at, I
1: looked at some of these though and there was like I went on to the, the dark web which is a pretty horrible scary place but like I know there was uh, Mexican government investigators who were looking on the dark web about these weapon sales and they found some of these on these dark websites where they're selling some of these weapon systems in the United States but ones that that shouldn't like like basically uh like a rocket you know rockets and this kind of stuff that they're using Yeah they're great
0: yeah all that wild stuff yeah, so I, I'm curious, do you um, – because obviously there's a – you're not in the – you're not considered uh, in the mainstream, like, Mexican press. Do they cover it much differently, this stuff? Like, is there a big difference between – because there must be a lot of now with just the way journalism's changed, that there must be a lot of just independent journalists obviously covering this. And, like, are, do they cover it a similar way, or is it
1: – Yes, it's interesting. So the kind of – the narco-journalist beat <laughs> – I guess there's a. I mean, I worked uh, most of my career. I just worked in regular mainstream American media, and I had full time jobs. A couple of you know full time jobs at like, uh, newspapers and stuff. But also just worked as a, a a freelancer. But I had you know more than fifty pieces in the New York Times, two Time Magazine covers, and one hundred fifty bylines and Time Magazine stuff. Um, now I do more independent reporting because I kind of um, uh, tired of. You know, the, the, things have changed and stuff. Yeah, and I, and it's I like changed it. obviously a lot, but but so. obviously,
0: like the because the mainstream press must exist. I don't know if they have a similar issue in Mexico that they do. Like you know, in so, so Mexican
1: Mexican journalist environment's different. So with, with you know within Mexico, you've got um one um like investigative news magazine called Proceso, um, and they 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 cover the, the narco beat very hard over a lot of years. And They've got some great reporters, so they've been hit very hard. Then you've got some regional uh, magazines like weeklies and some of them as well, they, they cover this stuff hard and they've lost you know, various reporters to the violence. They're very much on the front line. Uh, and then you've got another like, more you know, commercial uh, Mexican TV like Televisa, which has lost a lot of power now, but used to be very, very powerful. They'll still cover some stuff, not quite as intensely, but they'll still cover some stuff. Sometimes the news in Mexico gets just depressing to watch because there's simply so much violence. Yeah. It's just like Death, 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 and it's like, damn! I want to go and watch, you know, go watch Friends. Right? <laughs> you
0: just don't don't really want to. Um... Yeah, I, I always like kind of wondered that uh, just how how that uh, works. So the cartels, like, because especially with the journalism stuff, because obviously they want to be covered, though, right? So like they want to be famous. So, how, how... but then they'll kill you if you cover them. What just too unfavorably or like?
1: Oh, so I would I would say they have a complicated. Relationship with the press. I mean, is it you know that like there's been uh, more than 150 journalists killed in Mexico in the last 20 years. Um, they're killed for a variety of reasons. Often it's by cartels. Sometimes it's not by cartels. Sometimes it can be by the people. Yeah. Sometimes it can be like by politicians who work with the cartels. Um. Or like uh. You know, different things. Now, the cartels um when you had a lot of traditional newspapers in these towns they'd be like saying it's like saying to the newspapers um okay we want this covered we want this um we want this thing covered uh because you know it, we want to show us looking strong so we want this massacre covered because the other ba- other guys dying so if you don't cover it you're pro- you got problems but then they'd be like there'd be a big shootout they'd be like no you don't cover that we don't want you covering that shootout because we don't want you bringing attention to, to this town right now which is going to bring the military in. Right. And now I went to 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 film a TV series in a town on the border. And we went, we went up there and we had to, we got up there and filmed. And while we are up there, there was a message that came through to local journalists who then called us and said, tell the TV crew just to get out of town. They shouldn't be here Um, like the, from the cartel. Yeah. So we said to the cartel, we said to the, the journalist, call the cartel. You contact the cartel. Tell them to come to the hotel, and we'll talk to them. So he called them, and we we're sitting in this like shitty little hotel. And the guy drove in, see the AK-47 sticking out the back of the car, and a big guy comes out of the car. And he's like, no, no, you guys can't be here. I'm like, oh, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, we just, oh, we with respect. We just want to just like, you know, just want to just come and film this thing in the town. But we, we are, you know, we don't wanna. We respect you guys. And the guy changed. It was like flipped. He's like, "Oh, look, okay, you guys can stay here. Yeah, don't worry. Um, come back, and we can talk about this." So you see how they run these towns. But then we went back there and tried to film with their permission, and it was a nightmare. The guy all the time. They were like, "And you know, oh, you can't film now." And then suddenly, "Oh, you got permission to film for like half." A- and a lot of the local journalists live under that kind of conditions with the cartels, basically on top of them, like telling them what they can print, what they can't print. So very, very hard conditions. Um, now, there are also uh, Mexican national reporters who move around and do really, really good, brave stuff. Uh, and I feel, you know, what we can do is just try and cover this as much as we can. We've got to try and figure out the best way to cover this, but you've got to try and get this news out there.
0: Right. And it's like, is the main adversary to the cartels, is it It's just the Mexican military?
1: Like, is, I that, mean, uh,
0: like, is this like a military uh, issue, essentially?
1: Yeah, I mean, ad- adversary in a way, because... So you've got the Mexican law enforcement, you have, you know, Mexican local police, Mexican state police, Mexican federal police, and then military and then Marines are the, the elite. Um, now, the Marines can be the ones or the, or the military who can actually defeat some of these guys, like local police, often they're like gone, you know, the yeah. cartels are like come along, take away their guns, you know, they're gone.
0: Right. And they don't oh, they probably state. don't they don't get paid very much and they're probably like yeah,
1: like and then they've got, got the cartel payroll. Yeah. Then state police, it depends, maybe the state police will be in a good situation, or maybe they'll be outgunned. And again, maybe they'll be on the payroll. Then military, and then you get to like so then now the military so when they took out there's a big uh, operation in January where they took out the son of El Chapo called Obidio man, and they took him out and they sent him three and a half thousand soldiers took him out and his gunman fired at a passenger plane in the airport. There was like people in the passenger plane like ducking because they were firing at this. And they um, killed? They
0: but, killed him, or they just arrested him?
1: They just arrested him. They arrested him. They flew to Mexico City. He got he got flown extradited to the United States on September the fifteenth. And
0: why are they always extradited to the United States? Is that just because that like once they get like
1: incarcerated in the United States, like that's kind
0: of it? They're not gonna.
1: Well. The U.S. you know, wants these guys, lot the of big drug traffickers, you know, it's part basically the U.S. Uh, kind of operation is hammer, 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 go after these guys, uh, bring them to the United States, imprison them. Um, I, I mean, I went to some of the trial of El Chapo in New York, yeah, in Brooklyn, yeah, a, a big show, it was bizarre to watch. You know, I went in there. You had El Chapo right there. You had his wife Emma Cornell, this beauty queen. She's uh, the one who have, said that
0: she didn't know that he was a criminal or whatever? Was she the
1: she one? Just, she, she just be very... I am mean, not talk to her at the trial and she'd be like very good at being kind of charming and beautiful and not really saying much of real importance. Um, you know, she'd be like, you know, oh, he's a great human being. Um, and then, so you see the interviews with her. She's very good at avoiding that. But then during the the trial, uh, there you'd see El Chapo, and it, and I mean, <laughs> it happened to me in another journalist. He literally stare stare you out from across the courtroom. You have this guy like staring at you, <laughs> giving this kind of hard kind of eyeballing stare.
0: Yeah, just the whole time. And he's he just what got life in,
1: uh I guess just life. Like, yeah, he's, the, he's in the, super, the supermax, so super he's like uh, he's like locked. Yeah, he's locked up for, for does life. He, there. Yeah.
0: Does he do interviews or anything? Like I don't know.
1: I mean, he's not. He, he has. He's not given. I mean, he, he might even if he he wanted to, and he, you know what would he have to lose at this point? But he's uh, you know, they wouldn't even... the government keep him very locked down. He's just like, wow. I mean, yeah. maybe you could try and like uh, get in you know questions via a lawyer or something. But like, they keep him. They keep him very locked down. I mean, they they locked down like twenty three hours, and it's very be very hard to get access to get yeah, contact yeah. with him.
0: And who replaced like he he was the was he the top guy in uh.
1: Well, that's see that he was w- when they had this court case. Like, oh, this is that we got the biggest drug trafficker? Because he was the most infamous drug trafficker.
0: Yeah, definitely the most well known, no question. Yeah,
1: yeah, I- I'd say him, Pablo Escobar, and Al Capone. Yeah, three most famous or infamous in the last hundred years. But with all of them, you wonder: Are they really the biggest? Like Al Capone? You start talking to mafia guys and go, well, Al Capone was." Really famous, but then Lucky Luciano yeah. was actually, you know, a more powerful figure, um, or Arnold Rothstein. But you know, so with El Chapo, actually El Chapo became infamous. But this guy El Mayo I mentioned, who's never been in prison, was his partner, and maybe El Mayo was really bigger. Was really a kind of senior partner. Um, now, what happened with that cartel is El Chapo got taken out. So he's four four of his sons, he's got many sons and daughters but four of his sons became the chapitos, the little chapos. And they kind of took over one particular chunk of the Sinaloan empire. So
0: it's kind of like a family business.
1: Like a, yeah. Like a lot of it's like family, like feudal stuff. I think sometimes you can imagine like medieval, feudal lords kind of like, you know, they'll they'll pass on to the powers of their sons and then they'll have other knights out there who will swear loyalty to these guys. Yeah.
0: Crazy. That's uh the whole thing's wild. Like I saw you on a different by the way, phone lines are open, everybody. Uh I saw you on a different uh I think on your podcast, actually talking about how the cartels own rehab
1: centers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's a weird one, that is. Yeah, there's just uh, there's
0: all these like little weird things about this stuff where you go, it's so bizarre.
1: Uh yeah, these... Endlessly weird, yeah, yeah. Like um they own rehabs now, in some cases. And I, I, I never quite understand that, but some, you know, it's like, yeah, some cases they have rehabs and they've got their own guys who are like, become strong out on drugs. So we'll send them to our rehab. It, oh, it's just for their own. Gotcha. Sometimes also they can, but other people can go in there and they can also recruit because then they know in rehabs, you've got like young, you know, young men. What was the, what was the name of your podcast again? Low, low Mail. Yeah, you got low-value males arriving, yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. arriving in the rehab. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah, yeah, people yeah. to recruit. I mean, you know, obviously, low-value your low-value males looking for high-value. Right. It, resentment, right. frustration and is a lot of. The
0: dr- and they're in the drug world, and
1: yeah, yeah, recruit the cartel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, and, yeah. Like,
0: and you had a thing you were saying. There's like you know th- th- they get literally like 14 year olds and stuff who are like to kill yeah. people and yeah, like, yeah, whole so, so so pipeline somebody... of. It's just like it's because you would make it would make somewhat sense if they were you know already in the military, but you're
1: like they yeah. get them they're like kids. So like one thing is is like often the structures of this is you you're you're, you're bringing like 13, 14 year olds. They might first of all have the job as like halcon, which is like a lookout. So they might first get a job as a lookout. Yeah, but then quite, some of them quite quickly you know become. Um, you know, hitmen at that age, and they become like there's one guy up in up in the in in Nuevo Laredo, you know where I talked about where it all started, and he was a hitman, and he um uh, like a 13 he called Juan Pistolas, like Juan Juan pistols,
0: yeah,
1: and he um um we became like a figure in these local rap songs. that were kind of narco corridos, but like in rap. And then he was shot, he had his head blown off by the military when he just turned 17. Very tragic story. Apparently, one report is that his parents were actually killed by the cartel that he ended up joining. So kind of like, yeah, so one of the weird things though is, I mean, when I talk about some of this death and destruction, I kind of talk about this real hyper bad side of Mexico. But then also you've got this kind of real nice side of Mexico. like It is very
0: localized, right? Like, like, I don't want to, yeah, because I think some people think you're, you know, I went to Mexico City and you're like, this is, none of this is there. Like, it seems like a lot of this, these turf wars are localized well, in certain areas of certain states, like.
1: It can be localized, but also it can be mixed up. I, write, I wrote, I wrote a, a piece about this and I called it the paradox of Mexico's drug war and peace. So like what it is, is like, how you can have this like hyper violence, and then also at the same time you can have, like uh, as well as the hyper violence, you can have, um, you know, people, you know, Starbucks and people with iPhone, you know, iPads and, you know, you know, yeah, super, university and, 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 and like yeah, and all these like super nice parts of Mexico you can see as well. Yeah, can you know,
0: nice- actually hold that thought? We we have a call right here. Yeah, what's Hello, thanks for calling Low Value Mail. Who am I speaking with?
5: Hi, this is Fran from Simcoe County, Ontario. Fran, what's up, dude? Uh, one going. I have a moment.
0: quick question right, Fran, for uh, Fran Willow. Fran, you're on with Yon. Go ahead.
5: Okay, great. Thank you very much for fielding my call. I have just a very short, quick question. Uh, thanks for fielding my call. Um, let's say uh, allegedly first, and hypothetically second. Okay there was maybe a little cocaine operation that went up to Canada, like maybe Northern Ontario as an expert as yourself. um, Like how many times, like, I guess the word on the street, would that be stomped on? Like, like would they, like, would there be a lot of fentanyl on that? Would there be a lot of uh, other illicit things involved? Like before the end product arrived to uh, let's say the province of Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Like how many times would it be I guess the the street lingo would be stomped on?
0: Yeah, just diluted essentially.
5: Yeah, yeah. Diluted it's... is a great way to put it. I guess it's yes. probably
0: just a function of distance and borders.
1: Well okay. no, I think I think it it varies, it depends on, on a bunch of factors. So like like you for example,
5: um So from Mexico or wherever South yeah, America yeah, yeah. to United States of America yeah, yeah. to Canada, it,
1: how Exactly. So yeah, it's I like, in, so, it, it, it in a legend. Thank
2: you. It depends.
1: It depends a lot. Like you got the cocaine can move between all different kind of ways. So it depends. Sometimes you might, for example, have somebody and they end up with with, with less links in the chain, and with people who are like who are they're stepping on it as well. I like that stomping on it, stepping on it less. Where they're mm. like stepping on it and 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 padding it out. So if you're lucky, um, and you know, say if you're lucky and you get like uh, maybe a some of it goes to Chicago, so it might you know get up in trucks to Chicago and doesn't get stepped on, and then gets sold as like a you know
5: clean. Okay, I'm gonna put you on back back on track here. Here's the thing, actually. I'll just refine my question because I think I didn't yeah. I didn't uh, actually explain it well enough. So, like, what do you think the risk factors are for anyone who's like maybe considering doing cocaine in Canada? Like, I mean,
0: now it's know, just like um, there's a risk everywhere just because of yeah, the
1: So, I, I would say most of that stuff gets mixed up at like the lower levels of the chain. So, most of the time, often that when they're selling at the high levels of the cartel, they're selling these kind of clean yeah. kilo bricks. And then once it gets, because they're, they're, they're sealed, they're kind of sealed and they're, they're, they're you know, they're, so often the, the, the kilo bricks are pretty good. And then once it goes from kilo, once the kilo brick is broken up, then everyone's just starts messing and cleaning this stuff up. And yeah, doing it's, it's probably how
0: trustworthy uh, is the person you're getting. Yeah, yeah. In front, so so
1: in I, I would say now, nowadays, I mean, nowadays there's kind, of, there's, there's kind of a risk. Now I, um, I say there's kind of a risk everywhere in North America. Now, now it's kind of means how high is the risk? um it's hard to put a number on it and and obviously
5: okay not- so my last question if i may
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah go ahead yeah.
5: okay great thank you um so i appreciate it and um appreciate low value mail you okay. december 15th danny uh yeah. at uh you know the queen elizabeth theater yes which is going to be a great drama. show yeah. so yeah can't wait but anyways i won't be doing cocaine there but uh i'll tell you what this has been a great low value mail thing thank <laughs> you for fielding my call and um I won't be doing cocaine there. So yeah, I don't yeah. have a question.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for <laughs> All
5: right.
2: Right.
5: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. But, but it's, it's hard to know. I mean, like, you know,
1: you still, people still take it. You know, how, how high is that risk? It'd be kind of nice if there was like kits to test Well, They, they do
0: have testing kits. Now it's becoming because it's like people are yeah. literally
1: just, you know, it's, it's yeah. not
0: who you would expect, I think. So it's kind of permeated into a regular. Do yeah. people use, like I always wonder, like in Mexico, because it's obviously more available, like do people, is there more cocaine use in Mexico just because of
1: the availability? In, of it? in the whole country, there's less, less than the United States. That's crazy. Like, in, yeah, I know it's just it's just, just different cultures in the whole country. Yeah. However, in certain areas sure. a lot of cocaine use. Yeah, yeah, Like you, you say you go to some of these um these villages, especially nowadays you go to these villages, and actually, um, you know, there there's these villages. Um we were, we were filming up again in Sonora, uh, and there was this like local, it was actually a political rally, um, but it turned into a party and so it was like you know, they, for the political rally that they, they buy a bunch of the the candidate buys a bunch of beer and everyone gets drunk in the village and then there's like low there's this like suv rolls up in the corner and it's selling everybody cocaine so it's like a political event yeah and then everyone's getting and it's like really heavily cut up <laughs> yeah, really really heavily cut up i mean not necessarily poisonous but just cut to shit yeah yeah, yeah. It, which you think
0: would be rare. not the case there but all right we got another call yeah, no,
1: right? it, it, and it's funny because it, it, it's next to where there's like really clean bricks but it say like, as soon as they open that packet yeah and the, put it on the street and then ever now sometimes some of these local dealers I was finding is it, so you have a you have a call coming oh yeah, yeah.
0: I got a call oh sorry yeah. no, I missed it no go ahead go ahead go ahead
1: no you go you go ahead. get the call
0: no no, no I, I missed it I missed it it's all good oh, okay yeah you can continue just go on they'll no call back
1: okay
0: yeah the uh oh, here, you know, here it is sorry okay <laughs> sorry I don't have a good system for this uh one sec hello no, Next call on Low value mail. Who am I speaking with? Yo, yo, yo! What's up? Uh, what's one up? Second. All right, you're on with Yoan. Go ahead.
4: What's up, guys? How's it going? Thanks it's for really fielding the call. Uh, well, you guys were just talking about Coke consumption uh, in Mexico, and mm-hmm. uh, I just read it's actually the number one per capita of Coca-Cola consumption in the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's by like threefold. Yeah, correct. Right, really. Which is insane because I mean, I mean, they don't have a lot
2: of
0: clean water. Is
4: that But true? Um, as a yeah,
0: they do have the best Coca Cola. They have the with the, yeah, with the so
1: actual sugar in it. So so just it's so so it's not just saying about the Coca Cola. I mean, yeah, it tastes good. But I think I think part of that was, um, you had uh, people went from kind of they jumped from traditionally drinking sweet water with their meals to drinking Coca Cola, um, and uh, and very aggressive. Uh, uh, companies marketing this Now one of the places which really is Big on it is Chiapas, this southern state And there's a weird um, Community there uh, Of indigenous people uh, it's, it's called San Juan Chamula And in the church there, they run the church The local people who run the community And in the church they actually drink loads Of coca in the church And then burp as part of their ceremony Really? Like yeah. Yeah. in unison? Dude,
4: what? It's like, I want to this- join
1: it's yeah, it's bizarre shit to watch, and and like you say, it's, it's actually a problem because then there's like lack of water in the area, and then the Coke bottling plant is like taking all the water. um right. and, and everyone's everyone's like drinking like loads of Coke and shit. Yeah, I love those
0: uh, uh, Jarritos. That's one of my.
4: Uh,
0: I like those Harritos. Jar- 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 you jar- jar- fucking Canadian
4: Jesus, <laughs>
6: Jarritos? <laughs> <laughs> jar- <laughs> sorry, Jaritos. Harritos. I forget. I forget. Haritos.
4: I'm a gringo. I've done I've done a lot of cocaine. Uh, that last caller should definitely just test all of his cocaine from here on out. You're pretty okay. much rolling the dice. <laughs> yeah, uh if I you're mean, in a now big it's city,
0: crazy to just roll the dice like
4: Yeah, like I lived in Ensenada in Mexico for like a year and uh we didn't test back then. But uh I know too Sorry, now, you did test and, back like, then or you didn't? Didn't. didn't. and yeah. uh yeah, I, I moved from the West Coast in 2015 or 16, and uh, that's when I started testing out here on the East Coast.
0: Yeah, I mean that's probably wise, just in terms of yeah, I don't know, it's not worth dying over.
4: Yeah, I throw away like one every like five or six packages.
0: Really? Right? Even like you're saying right now that you'll you still test for fentanyl that regularly.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If it's not, like, obviously off the fucking block, like, I'm not, I'm not messing with it, you know? Like, I've seen shit from the, like, from the fucking, you know, brick, and it's, like, it's very easy to tell. And then once you test it, it's just, you know, you test it, like, three times, separate places, shake it up and shit if you yeah, if you want you go that's what you have to do that's
1: crazy, so so, so where where do you get the uh, testing kits from up in Canada you just you can just go to some place and they give them for free or you have to buy them or, or where do you get them i think he's in the US but you can I'm buy the, them
4: on amazon I, I think. i'm in the states but yeah you just buy them on amazon um you can also there's also like um i do a lot of like uh like music events and stuff so i have a lot just from like you know there's uh, groups uh you know like uh what's it called i can't remember what the names are but there's a bunch of groups for like you know, raves and like music festivals. Yeah, there's, they'll have tables like, you know, I'll go to
0: out like Yeah, yeah, I'll go to like some concerts and they'll they'll have a table set up just to
1: like safe dance or something. yeah. so, like, and, and when you test it, how how often are you finding, like, I mean, like, you you test it, test positive for fentanyl specifically, or you just test it and it kind of gives you a breakdown of uh, of what's in it, how much the happier the cocaine is. Or uh, I'm, te- you- I'm
4: testing. I'm testing with literal fentanyl strips. Okay. I was really only looking for that, and then uh, i used to i used to i used to you know I used to have a lot of cocaine around me, so I know what you know just eyeing it and you know tasting it I can tell a lot of what's going on um,
1: and how often now if you're testing it now, how often will you find fentanyl showing up
4: uh I would say with like the current dude. And, like, you know, with, like, everything, I would say, like, one in, like, ten nowadays. But, like, that's probably less. Not a lot. And, like, do you go to the a person
0: lot. you got it from and you're like, hey, man, you're, like, you might be killing people?
4: Yeah, I let them know. Yeah, I let and, them know.
0: And what do they generally say? Because there was a – a this uh, in New York City, there was this um, – these two guys who were – because there's all these, like, coke drug delivery services in New York City because the whole thing is everything's just, like, so easy or whatever – to get and and uh, but these guys were knowingly selling fentanyl, I guess they figured out like people were getting and then they just like kind of kept selling it. And uh, yeah, you're like, it's just crazy to know like people they they were texting people being like, hey, just you know, like don't do a lot of this, it's really strong. And then like it killed like I don't know, eight people or something crazy,
1: yeah, yeah. So like one in ten is still that's a pretty high amount. I mean, that's one high. in ten, I mean, like you know, it, yeah, is... no,
4: that's very high. So, but yeah,
1: I'll, I, I, well, I'll, I, we
4: when... I would say we're buying. Like people are buying, though. Like you know, like because I, I get my buddy. Like my buddy. Like he'll tell me, like, hey, can't buy right now. I can't find anything clean. Because he'll just test it with the person he's buying from.
0: Right.
4: So like you know, I mean, he'll he'll roll up to the you know and test the kilo, popping off like eight different pieces and testing like eight times. That's what people are doing nowadays, just to avoid it. Because when I first moved out here, there was like. Yeah, you know, I, I knew a lot a lot of people pretty quickly, but like you know, there was you know people started dropping like flies. It was bad, and no one wants to have that to happen.
1: It's it's absolutely uh, nuts. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts how it's happening, isn't it? It's like I mean, like one one guy told me. Uh, I mean, this is law enforcement, but he, his idea was they're doing it simply to pad it out. You know, they're making you know one you know they get half a kilo and it becomes three kilos because yeah. they, they, you know, they're it was so potent. You mix it up
4: and, it, and then they put some it's other shit in as well. Such a different
0: drug, though. You're like you're literally talking yeah, about yeah, the down Yeah,
4: well, versus... yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's it's fucked up people that are doing that. Like somewhere here by my house and where like I live in a pretty big city, and uh, some dude got caught with like like seven, it was like seven pounds of like heroin, but then like twenty pounds of fentanyl. Mm. Yeah, and, and it makes sense and that you then, mix you know, it
0: in with heroin to make heroin stronger because. Like I don't think a heroin yeah, that, addict, is, then, like if a heroin addict got a grain of fentanyl, they wouldn't die because they're already on opioids.
4: Yeah, I think people are just like, "Fuck it, dude, money, money, money." You know, they're just yeah. thirsty. That's, like yeah. I, I, you know, I, 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 saw, I, was, I sold drugs in college, and like it was, I was a bad person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I was a, not a good person.
1: Yeah.
4: And you know, I regret that shit, but yeah. it's what it fucking is.
1: Yeah. Uh, another, another theory is uh, that, like, when people are like. They have they like mix up some fentanyl or cut up fentanyl and fuck around with that, and then they'll clean their thing off and then they'll fuck around with some cocaine. Yeah, and a little bit of
2: fentanyl. Will look yeah,
1: it's stupid. just like
0: a cross contamination from people who just like sell both. And then I saw I remember when I was living in Toronto, there was uh, some cases, but it was literally like I think they got it down to just whoever was selling drugs that used the same scale. And so there was just some cross contamination. So they it wasn't even intentional. It's just lazy, and it's just kind of ignorant of the fact that you're like, yeah, one of these things will kill people.
4: But well, I mean, yeah, one that's, the other, it's like it could be one mistake at you know down in like the you know jungle of Colombia, and like the whole batch could be fucked. But they don't and have, then they, they don't have find out
0: all at that source, I, I can't imagine.
4: I, I don't reckon.
1: I, I no, don't but like. I mean, mean, one thing now as well is a weird thing that's happened is, I mean, is that the price of cocaine has been going down because, uh, because like they've been, they've, now the the government in Colombia is not, not cracking down it So they can like now grow at all. Uh, You can get a brick,
4: you can get a brick in San Diego right now for 11 grand. I was like, people were paying 17, 18 grand six years ago.
0: That's crazy. Seven years ago. Really? Super cheap,
1: So, like the the price of cocaine is just kind of go down because, not, in, in Colombia, basically the government who came, the, the, the president who came in, Gustavo Petro, was like, the war on drugs doesn't work. It's only hurting us in Colombia. We're not gonna fuck around with poppers anymore, with uh, with coca leaves anymore. We're not gonna fuck around with that. So, there's been a massive booming production there. They're also uh, booming production in Ecuador, in Peru. So they're like. The the, the the European market is really booming and they're selling a lot there, but the US market there's also all the Mexican cartels moving meth, and prices just come down. So let's say eleven thousand dollars in San Diego—that's crazy cheap. Uh, in in it's San it's so Diego. cheap.
2: Wow. Well,
4: I think also the cartels got into weed, even though it's you know harder to like move and everything. They 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 said, well, we can make good weed too, and just you know the. There's so many, so many yeah. cartel. It seems like we weed, weed, like are... weed stores in San Diego alone. Yeah. It's insane
0: for weed. Yawn. Like, is it too bulky? Like, are they better just if they're going to be transporting like over the border?
4: Well, weed used to be like they're, they're just growing. They're growing it in California. Yeah, yeah, the cartels yeah. are in California growing it. Yeah, yeah. So it
1: used to be like you'd see like in a year like three million pounds of weed being like you know taken over to you know seized. And everyone was walking over the border with backpacks. For they have these backpacks to be like twenty-five kilos or two of those fifty kilos. You get paid. They walk them over, and they're just like bringing it a river of weed coming across. And then when it legalized, and, and I wrote editorials about this, saying legalize weed uh, to try and hit the cartels. I hoped, I thought at the time that would really kind of work to reduce their revenue. Um, like uh, like the caller said. Uh, they're now first, and then that's moot that just shifted. They have got fentanyl, crystal meth, heroin, cocaine. They don't need weed. They're onto other drugs. But the other thing is, is like, um, they're getting in into the business in the United States as well. Or like, I mean, I don't know. I still feel they should just simply carry on legalizing weed. Now they're kind of halfway. Yeah, it's they're, kind of I mean, they're halfway.
0: pretty much there. Like I live, I live in New York. Is we is weed legal in Mexico?
1: So officially. It's, it's it's funny that the Supreme Court ruled that weed has been legalized here because people started making these appeals to the Supreme Court saying I can grow weed this kind of this group and uh, but the the government hasn't written out the, the, the secondary legislation but um but funny enough in Sinaloa the big cartel place they they basically legalized weed themselves there and you go into these places there. What do you mean they legalize and, weed themselves? Like, Sim- I mean, they just, just said, we're going to start selling weed. But the, they opened up dispensaries. Simlo like is a state? Yeah, state, yeah. Okay. So in Culiacan, they have these, they're like in apartments. And I went into one and it was like, you're in LA. It's like an LA dispensary. But in Mexico, but run by the, run by the cartel. And they had one um, type of weed. They called it Sicario, which is the name for hitman. It's like Sicario.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the
1: right time we did crazy.
0: Um, all right, thanks caller. All right, we got another call here. I'm gonna pick it up. Hello, thanks for calling Low value Mail. Who am I speaking with? This is Grant Danny. Grant, how's it going, man? One moment, please. And you're on with yawn. Go ahead, Grant.
6: You know, a very fascinating conversation. Um, I'll admit that I don't know much about this, you know, whole area of the cartels, but. could you kind of, you know, put uh, together like a chronology of how integrated the cartels really became in the the drug business? It sounds like, you know, you talk about the glorification of Colombia and the Medellin cartel in the 80s. Did they just completely cut them out?
1: Yeah, so uh, basically, the Colombians, uh, as you say, in the the Colombians really kind of got into the business in the seventies, and then by the early eighties, the Colombians were like kings of this and were making this huge amounts of money. Now, gradually, the US, the, the Colombians used to fly the cocaine straight from Colombia into Florida, like straight shot bang into Florida. That was a that was a big place for the for the cocaine in the United States was Florida. And the US hit this, it's called the South Florida Task Force. They got in military radars, and started hitting and hitting the Colombians quite hard. So the Colombians then turned to Mexico and they called it the Mexican trampoline that bounced the cocaine through Mexico. Now it began as saying, okay, we're gonna pay the Mexicans a certain fee per kilo just to transport the cocaine for us. And then the Mexicans are like, oh, we want to go into business with you. So for a time it was 50-50, meaning the Colombians would give like a hundred kilos of cocaine to the Mexicans and the Mexicans would take 50% for themselves and 50% give back to the Colombians. And then the Mexicans just gradually took over and started charging the Colombians. The Colombians got hit very hard by the U.S. So the Colombians cartels kind of moved and changed and became much more separated, still moving a bunch of cocaine, but kind of less um, with a couple of exceptions less kind of powerful drug lord public kind of figures and the mexicans became very powerful but however still in colombia there's still a lot of cocaine money there and still there are some very powerful organizations like one now called the clan del Golfo, the gulf clan which is really really powerful there and they they control all kinds of stuff and Uh, is colombia
0: still it's the largest manufacturer of cocaine in the world
1: yeah absolutely yeah okay
0: was it a different country like uh, uh well you bolivia? had uh,
1: bolivia for a time at one time bolivia you had like this thing called the cocaine coup which was like where they like the government was like put in was like with this you know cocaine trafficker um back in the early 80s and they had like ex-nazis there as well like killing like death squads and stuff wow. um uh uh uh, Klaus Klaus Barbie this kind of ex-Nazi was like there like training death squads for these for these people kind of crazy stuff yeah back but wasn't in Wasn't like, like night- the
0: DEA like you're saying Colombia is is uh like relaxed all the rules wasn't the DEA the ones who were like making them enforce it Like was that for a time that they're full of spray and everything and Yeah yeah
1: so for a time for a time as well like in the late 20th century particularly the US said we're going to really pressure countries to crack down on drugs and they had even a system of certifying countries saying, okay, you certified, you're hitting drugs hard enough, we're going to certify you, you can get aid money. If you're not, you can't get aid money, and we're going to pressure you and punish you. So the US used to do that. Um, I would say the US has kind of abandoned that now. Um, a lot of the kind of efforts against cocaine and stuff, you know, people don't really care so much anymore. They care about fentanyl now. Yeah. So now it's like, fentanyl is the big one now, so it's pressuring china or pressuring mexico and fentanyl it seems like kind there's of...
0: no pressure on china though like other than you hear like some talk but
1: yeah i mean like yeah you, and, and so you get to kind of level of the white house and i mean like i talked to some of these guys in like these squads of like uh uh dhs special squads who are kind of looking into this and looking at what's happening in china and stuff but yeah they're not really uh hitting the uh um they're not really hitting them hard enough. Or the Chinese say, well, we, we, you know, we made this stuff illegal. But as we talked about earlier, there's still some suspicious activity. Right, like up. I guess
0: in China, they're saying this is illegal. What what else do you want us to do? Like, it's illegal here. And like, you can't yeah. do it.
1: And people are kind of,
0: you got to, I guess, defend your borders at that point. Um, all right, any, yeah. call, anything else?
6: Yeah, I just wanted to, just to add to that. Uh, I know that I have a lot of Colombian friends and and they actually family members that are kidnapped by FARC, um, which I think they were funneling they're kind of the paramilitary in Colombia that was uh, maybe backed by the, the Colombian cartel. And that's so they actually like to rebay because he was, you know, I think in, in concert with the U.S. government, really cracking down at least in instances on on corruption and, and trying to take down that paramilitary force. But maybe last question for me, how is it? Uh, being distributed and transported from, say, Colombia, that's still kind of a, the the main um, manufacturing base. Is it just, I know we have an open border and people are just crossing, you know, on foot, but how is it getting from Colombia to Mexico and then, I guess, across the border?
1: Yeah, sure thing, yeah. So, yeah, we just, what you said before, yeah, so you had in Colombia a left-wing guerrilla group, the FARC, who also got really involved in cocaine and then the right-wing paramilitaries connected to a rebate called the AUC, who also got into cocaine. So everyone was into it. It's
0: just That's where the like, money is. Like if you want to find yeah, your yeah. thing, it's just, like Left-wing,
1: right-wing, just pure drug traffickers, they're all into it. Um, so when it goes from Colombia these days, it go different ways. Uh, for, for a time, Colombia were quite uh, an effective military and kind of cracking down on air. So one thing they do is they take it to Venezuela. And the Venezuelan government, um, they're like really moving loads of cocaine. They're a bit of a narco regime in Venezuela, to be honest. Yeah. So you had there's a group of the military who sorry, one second.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Uh you know, and just if you're listening to this, you just have to step out for a moment. I'm not sure.
5: I'm um, here. Oh, good. Uh,
1: so you had um, you know, a, a group of generals called the Cartel de los Soles, the Cartel de San So they, they go to Venezuela and then fly out from Venezuela, fly from Venezuela, sometimes bounce it through. Also, another way out is through Ecuador. Um, through Ecuador, Ecuador is a massive place for moving from Ecuador to Europe and to bunch of places. Another thing is out of the port there. There's one is a big port in the Pacific. Submarines coming straight out of there as well. And now, Which is this
0: correct- just, sorry to cut you off, but is this just uh, you know the people who man the ports essentially are all just paid off? Like this is 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 this higher than that? Like is this government governments are allowing this to kind of uh, their uh, countries to be used as these kind of like thoroughfares
1: or? It can be some. It depends. Sometimes it can be uh, at top government levels. Sometimes you get president. I mean, right now the president of Honduras is being uh, extradited of the United States and will face trial for drug trafficking. Oh, I interviewed right, him. know that the current the current president. I you know he, he was. Uh, oh. I, I, I he was president from 2012 or 2014 till 2022. I think.
0: Okay, and so these charges were while he was president. Yeah. Yeah. This is sorry, Honduras. This is?
1: Yeah, Honduras. Yeah, and I interviewed him when he first became president. I interviewed him. Um and, and then, the time? back then he was saying, yeah, you no, know, America, give us some money to help us fight drugs. Uh and the guy's now like in prison accused of drug trafficking. But like um, so the Honduran uh, so we yeah, know before you were saying so like uh out of Colombia, submarines, boats spouting through Central America. Sometimes you get high level uh presidents involved in this. Sometimes below that, generals, uh, cabinet ministers, police chiefs, and sometimes it can be the lower level corruption. There's a, a saying here in Mexico: "If you have God, why do you need the angels?" I Meaning, if you've got the president on your payroll, you don't, you know, you got, you don't need anyone else. Yeah. But there's also if you have, they can flip it around. So if you have the angels, why do you need God? If I've got the low level guy, I don't need the top guy. Right.
2: I've got the low level
1: guy. But then you get both. But then. Even sometimes, when you have countries that are trying quite hard to fight this, it's hard to fight. Yeah, it's hard to stop. I mean, people could just simply, you know, get you know, it's not an easy thing to do. There's just drugs and go this way, that way, lift. I mean, you the, know?
0: yeah, like that border, that Mexican US border, like the amount of stuff that's crossing there on a daily basis, it's just it's physically impossible to yeah. check it all. And I'm sure they're like, you know, they factor in, they go, we'll lose X and
1: that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, they. they it's interesting. So I talked to uh, one traff cocaine guy who was flying cocaine into the United States and uh, and and moving it around. and And I said, "How much do you lose?" And he said, "They lost about twenty percent, so they kept they they kept the eighty percent. So all of the stuff is busted, you know, if you bust a ton." They get four tons. <laughs> right. so, I mean, there's all it, those
0: stories in Florida of people just like it washes up on the beach, like just like giant yeah, yeah. bales yeah. of
6: cocaine will just literally
0: yeah. just wash up and yeah, yeah. they get dumped or whatever.
6: So, so is is the trafficking simply you know any method or mode they're utilizing? You know, because you talked about like Columbia, you know, they would like you mentioned a sub. I know that was big news when they caught a sub. Uh, but it sounds like they have a fleet of them now. Are they are they still using the same um, logistics with air like they were doing in the 80s? Or is it just, are they, you know, people are t- turning a blind eye and they just have a whole train load of, of goods, I guess, being transferred over? Like how sophisticated is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say these networks, you know, organizations, networks, they've been like super sophisticated at just, changing up um so submarines i mean you you had these like different types of subs so you had these kind of makeshift some of these they were like semi-submersibles they were kind of fairly small would kind of hover kind of just you know near the and then you build these like big ones because you go right down to the sea now you look at those things they're pretty terrifying i mean the people who go in those things like those you know some they're basically like are you know homemade submarines you know made by the cartel um, you know, but hire some guys, make a submarine, bang it out. Um, yeah. and then you go pretty terrifying, pay some guy go to sit in the submarine and, and float. But they've actually got some now, some transatlantic ones that have actually gone right from, um, you know, South America all the way to Europe, bringing cocaine over That's there. That's crazy. Those How must to, be pretty uh, high tech to make that track i mean high tech i mean there's still stuff often made i mean i mean yeah i mean, you're making submarines it's pretty yeah. nuts i guess you can't but, yeah,
0: i guess you can't uh, like under the radar even if you have the money for it go buy a submarine like a uh you know an, yeah. an old military sub that's like maybe not in use i, I imagine that's hard to buy like off the books
1: Probably pretty, pretty hard it could try you'd have to set up or, or yeah kind of gov- some dodgy you know maybe some uh you know government of like um Suriname could buy a submarine and then send it to you. Yeah, I pay somebody, president of Suriname, to buy your submarine.
0: Um. Anyways, yeah, caller, anything else?
6: Uh, that's it. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, for calling.
0: Thanks so much, man. Have yeah. a good night. Um, we're, we're going to wrap this up uh, very shortly. Th- thanks again for uh, taking the time out to do this. I want to talk. So, the I saw a piece that you wrote about the border, and because the border, I, so I live in New York City. Uh, I think the the southern borders. Um, a big uh, a, a big issue in the United States right now, especially like in, you know New York City. They're they're basically saying because New York City has this duty to I can't remember what it is duty to housing here, so they have to put up anybody who comes here. It's just like a law that they have, and so the they're like the mayor's like we're cutting back on cops and we don't have all this money. So the you're saying the cartel like they are part of the mechanism that brings people over the border. Like they're basically getting paid. That's just
1: like another revenue stream for them. Absolutely, yeah. So basically, um, you look at a border. You had you had uh, people smugglers, human smugglers, is, is the word for somebody who they also you know people use the word coyote, or they use in Mexico pollero, which is kind of like somebody moving chickens. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. chicken herder, and and the, and the immigrants are like chickens, you know, make them like run. So you these these polleros, uh occurred, you know, they, they grow up quite naturally. Like one a guy I talked to became pollero first of all because he lived in this border town he knew where the hole in the fence was back then it was like a wire fence and somebody comes to the town and goes how do i get through And i oh come on you know, i'll take you here you, here, i'll show you the way and pay him a tip so he started off kind of that way these kind of polleros taking people through then you know i talked to a guy who's polleros back in the 80s when they'd be like driving people through the border with tijuana for a, you know, a couple of hundred bucks a head pay off the local police this is that kind of stuff yeah then as the cartels, you know, as, as as the defenses got bigger, and this is one of the problems with a lot of this law enforcement, it's catch-22s, as the defenses got bigger, so like building sections of wall, radars, border patrol, it meant it got more difficult to take people through, so you start getting more sophisticated organizations, and the prices went up.
0: Right, because and at the end of the, the day, price- probably for people to get to America is pretty... Yeah, yeah.
1: Pretty so pretty then bad. it becomes a couple of thousand bucks. Instead of a couple of hundred bucks, it's a couple of thousand bucks. And Then they start a move making you know organizations that you know they get enough money in, and then you start setting people up on both sides of the border, and they become more sophisticated smuggling organizations. Then the cartels are like, Well, we run this territory, so if you're smuggling people through here, you have to start paying us,
2: yeah, a percentage.
1: And then the, so the fee goes up even more because the cartel wants a share, and so it goes up. But then the cartels are like, Okay, well, we're you know running this ourselves, we've got organizations, we've got guys, we've got guys who can like. So then it goes up and up and so now you get like $10,000 to go over the border. Yeah. Um and it's like even the people know, who
0: are just like walking over the southern border like
1: Well, so yeah, like so so of like $10,000 uh, recently I was down in Tijuana and I was I went there and I and I was like I'll find somebody. Now, you might think okay, so it, you, know, it's, it, you know, I look like an American or whatever, but like they just see they just see money that you could be Ukrainian. You could be Russian. Well, that's the
0: thing, because there's lots of people coming over the border. You see them. They're they're not all and,
1: like yeah, Central a,
0: South American. Mexican.
1: And it could be Chinese. It could be Indian. They don't care. They just like okay. Oh. So the guy first of all was like, okay. I didn't want to like fuck around with a guy too much and pretend my 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 tactics as a journalist is off. Just mainly to say I'm a journalist. Yeah. So I was like journalist. And so the guy's oh fucking hell. I thought it was a customer. But I, I managed to get a few things. How much are you charging these days? And one of the and it, and it confirmed with what other people were saying. So like it'd be like 10,000, it'd be like going in like um, uh, vehicles. You can pay even more to go through tunnels or on boats around the coast. People who like just cross things across the river, um, uh, like say the river in the Rio Grande, in the Rio Grande Valley, the valley, they'll still be like, hey, um, us, you know, if you're arriving here, we control this, you still got to pay us. Yeah. If you don't pay us, you're going to get a severe beating. It might even just be you know, a fee. Now they even had a, a thing where they would say, well, "Well, we'll take you and just dump you on the other side of the border, and you claim asylum."
0: Right, because that's kind of the move. And so you, you had a piece because a lot of people are worried about uh, terrorists coming in, especially yeah. like uh, stuff that's going on in the in the world right now. You, you, from what I read, you're saying that's actually not that big of a concern. Like, or not that it's a big of a concern, but it's not actually a lot of evidence of that happening.
1: I mean, what I was waiting my piece was kind of. Uh, I'm saying that it's a real issue. It's not true to say it's not true, totally true. So when people say, oh, there's no, there's never been a terrorist crossing the border, the southern border, that's not true. Yeah. Have been. Uh, there are cases I looked at. So there are cases, first of all, there are cases of jihadists in Latin America and the Caribbean. Yeah. Trinidad, you know, it's kind of bizarre. I thing. didn't realize it's, this
0: from your piece. That, yeah.
1: Trinidad. Yeah. The, the highest per capita number of jihadists that went to Syria was from Trinidad. Then is Islamic attempted Islamic coup. Back in like 1990, Argentina, the biggest, one of the biggest anti-Semitic uh, violent attacks before October 7th was Argentina, Buenos Aires, you know, blowing up a Jewish community center again back in in, in the 90s then, uh, probably a Hezbollah-affiliated group. So there are, there are jihadists in Latin America. Second, there have been some cases. So there's, you know, concrete cases, look at the documentation. Of you know one uh, Hezbollah guy for example came over the southern border without papers, went in uh, in the United States was was doing you know activities. There are cases, but they they've been relatively few. Yeah, there haven't been you know like huge numbers. Now it could happen, you know it could happen. There could be an attack and it will turn out you know a big attack. You know, new and it will turn out the guy came over the southern border because. At the end of the day, if you pay, you can get over the southern border, and there's yeah, a lot of people. It seems
0: going. like even if you don't pay, it seems like you can just walk over right now.
1: Well, I mean, it's not quite as simple as that when you get down there. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of people coming in. Yeah, it's overwhelmed. The numbers. Like are big. Everybody,
0: like when you see like a you know a video of just like a giant group of people walking over, like they've all paid. Well,
1: yeah. So, so sometimes there'll be like, so what? What a lot of those videos are showing is sometimes we have big groups. Like some of the big massive groups just walk over and just, just arrive at a thing, just hand themselves in, and say, "We want to claim asylum." Yeah. So one of the big issues, yeah, I guess there's
0: a differentiation, right? Because the people who yeah. claim asylum versus people who actually sneak in, like sneak in. So you want to yeah.
1: sneak in, you want to go under the radar, and you don't want to get caught. Yeah. So a lot of guys come in and say "Now, with the asylum claims, um, what's happened is you had, you know, this idea of, you know." If if you're persecuted in your country, you can come to the United States. You can come to the UK. You can go and you can claim asylum. We signed the Refugee Convention after World War Two, and it was relatively few people. Nowadays, it's happened a lot. Really, in the last ten years, I've seen this kind of grow. You've got all people, and now they're, they're the people are lot in many cases. Fleeing violence, I don't think it's, I don't believe this line. Now they're all making this up. I mean, a lot of people I see these play their fear, are flee, they got you know shot in the legs, i mean they survived attacks and so, but basically, the number's just so big, yeah. So now you see like a backlog of like one and a half million cases waiting in the courts, yeah, yeah. Well, that's
0: the thing in the US now, like the yeah. essentially the loophole is they're like, you know, it could take seven, eight years,
1: eight years the de- for decades. To-
0: for their case to be seen, you're like, I'd rather live in America than... And,
1: and, and while they're waiting, more are coming in, so the case is getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. So then it gets to the debate is what do you do about that? Now, I think what what, what Biden is doing right now, now people say, oh, Biden's letting him on. Him. Actually, Biden is trying to kind of appease both sides on this, but in a way, his government actually tries to act aggressively. It tries to say, no, you can't get asylum. Although it's a bit all over the place. I built over the place on this, but i think long term i guess the u s will move to change i think a lot of countries will will change the asylum laws yeah would, I, I i get i guess i mean I guess. it
0: seems it seems like they'll almost like when you the thing with New York City is New York City obviously you know they're like we're a sanctuary city, and they 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 pride themselves on welcoming all these things, but then they're like, okay well, there's only you only have so much money uh they're like, say, I've been talking about this, but they're like closing libraries here on Sundays because they're like we're so overwhelmed, and they're like it's not our fault we didn't, you know. So, um, all yeah. right, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I just, I just, it's it, it, it interesting that New York. Now, how much do you think? Um, obviously, New York is considered a very liberal place, and a lot of the the, the counties next to the border were the ones which are suddenly becoming more conservative. So it's interesting. New yeah. York know, counties on the border with Mexico in Texas that are like ninety percent Hispanic. Yeah. And they're like Republican. Right. Uh, yeah, because, yeah.
0: They're, they're, well, they probably a lot, they're already there. The thing with New York specifically that's screwing them over is they have, and it's due for the homeless specifically to address the homeless situation here. Yeah, yeah. Is they have a rule where you have to, They it's called like duty to house and they have to put you up in, uh, like they have to give you accommodations. Like you can't be forced to sleep on the streets in New York City. But they never thought that this was going to apply to, like, you know, this, a migrant situation. So th- that's essentially the issue, because I don't think any other city in the United States has this specific thing where they have to put you up like this. So they're just like New York City is in its own specific issue, because in other cities, they would just say, hey, like, we're sorry, like, try another city where we don't have any beds left in our shelters.
1: So it's interesting in, in New York, you have like, I don't know, it's just, it's just some images of the, the Democratic uh, mayor and you know and number two and stuff suddenly flipping and suddenly saying uh no you know you know actually we can't we can't have all these all these uh people arriving it's gonna destroy new york city what would you say is your sense of the general uh population of new york on this issue are they starting to suddenly say
0: uh i think once i think everybody's you know new york city is a very like you know a mishmash of people from all over the world and like, I can't, I, I won't say, like, it's not, like, noticeable. You're not, like, oh, my God, there's so many, like, asylum refugees here. Like, you don't tell. But I think when the city starts saying, like, hey, we have to cut back on police. Like, we we literally cannot afford, like, the same amount of police we had last year. Then I think, because crime is slightly elevated here. It's not crazy or anything. But I think people will start noticing then when, like, stuff gets starting, like, you know, get cut back on social services, things like that. But, Otherwise, I mean, it's been fine. It's not like it's, it's been unnoticeable for the most part, you know? So, but again, like I've always said this too, like, I don't blame any of those people. Like if, if yeah. I was in their situation and I could just walk over the border and go to New York city, like.
1: I mean, like when you get down and talk to like, I did a lot of work covering the this immigration stuff and the and over the years, but like when you get down and just spend a bit of time, you find a lot of heartbreaking stories. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, people who have, you know, who have come with nothing and left and left violent situations. And there are, I mean, you know, just here in Mexico City, I mean, there's this huge numbers coming through Mexico right now. Uh, and the people from from Venezuela, Haiti, Jamaica. Like, does Mexico
0: you know, have an issue with people from, like, is there a similar conversation in Mexico about people from other countries who don't necessarily want to go to the U.S.? They go, they're happy, just like, because Mexico City is a very modern, like.
1: Well, yes. Yeah, so I mean, generally, a lot of people, they you know, you, you leave, Venezuela, and you think, my dream is going to the United States. Yeah. Rather than go to Mexico. But then some of them will come here and go, okay, actually, we can make it. We can still make it. Because Venezuela is terrible.
2: Yeah. You know, Venezuela
1: is a disaster. So I'm making it. Now, there is, starts to be here, a bit of resentment among Mex- people in Mexico. So I say, oh, like, all this, you know, now the border, you know, what are we doing? Why is our southern border open? You know, Mexican southern border right. open. Right.
0: Like like you guys have your own. You look the yeah. exact same thing.
1: It's, yeah. So get these kind of flip flipping stuff, there'll be, like, migrant hostels and suddenly be, like, some neighbours going, out everyone from there, they're all, like, you know, taking shits on our in our neighbourhood and we've got to get them out and clean them out of here. So suddenly, you know, it will become, you know, here you suddenly get resentment. Now, it's, you know, it's mixed and it's still kind of fairly um, small numbers overall in the country of, of immigrants compared to the size of the country. But you start to get reactions like that as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know, it's going to carry on Maybe the numbers will die down. I don't know, maybe it's, they're up now they'll die down or maybe they're just gonna get, keep on getting bigger. Don't know. Yeah. Like I wonder if
0: the asylum claim, you know, if um if um the US figures out their asylum issue, do all those people just to say, Well, I guess we'll stay in I don't know what the asylum laws are in Mexico, but maybe they're like we'll we'll stay
2: Yeah. So
1: right now they are being pretty generous about giving them there's A lot of people have got I mean, big numbers or bigger numbers have got asylum here. and again the US we'll see how they do I mean, one thing they're trying to do is that the Biden administration is trying to do this. So you you see activists uh, on the kind of idea of um, you know there should be no borders or or basically any of these clampdowns are bad, or or who just simply believe that America should give the right to everyone to have asylum, will criticize the Biden administration, saying actually the Biden administration is trying to hit these guys and not let them um, go. What what I find on the border is just chaotic situation. Yeah. Um, no one seems to know what's going on. It seems to be like you you will get you get like I interviewed one guy. Actually in El Paso. But this guy had a funny situation where he'd sneaked over the border. He, he got, to, got to Juarez, tried to apply, couldn't apply for ages. Like the, 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 the thing didn't work. So he sneaked over, got arrested, got driven to San Diego, got thrown down to, to, to Tijuana got a bus back to Wallace. Came <laughs> over, got it, in it and then he basically he does didn't... it
0: again he goes like i'll just try but, it again but then. it
1: was kind of the whole season was just chaotic it was just like it wasn't even it was just like all over the place yeah, yeah yeah that's uh
0: that's wild um all right we're gonna wrap this up uh tell people where they can find you where, where's the best place that they can
1: uh yeah yeah so please uh check out my sub stack which is www.crashoutmedia.com if you could put a link to it, we really appreciate it.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I'll put
0: it on the link below in the YouTube.
1: But that, That's appreciated. Spotlights. I've also got a channel in YouTube I use a bit, which is uh Yoan Grillo TV. My name, weird name, but I-O-A-N-G-R-I-L-L-O TV. Uh, see me on Twitter, Yoan Grillo. Again, I-O-A-N-G-R-I-L-L-O. And I've got a trilogy of books there for, for, the, for the readers in the house, starting from El Narco, going to gangster warlords and to blood gun money. And I'm working on number four right now.
0: Nice. What's number four about?
1: Uh, that's uh classified information. TBD. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, a bunch of people in the chat have been saying they've read uh, your books. So. I'm sure oh, okay.
1: What... Really appreciate it. Well, anyone who's read it. I love you. I love, I love you. Yeah, lo- yeah. really I mean,
0: you're doing, you're doing really good work. Cause I mean, I think sometimes now it's, you just, it's so like the stuff you see in the mainstream media is very, like people just don't have any trust in mainstream media anymore. So.
1: It is kind Journalism, of cool. yeah. Journalism is in a funny place. I kind of, I kind of, my heart was broken in a way by. Uh, I, I kind of believed in the mainstream media for a lot of years,
0: and I just, I think everybody did.
1: Yeah, and then I kind of, my heart was broken when I saw kind of some of the mistakes it made, and uh, you know, we made, they made, I don't know. Uh, and now I want to be positive because I mean, you know, I'm finishing on a positive note. Uh, I think one of one of the callers mentioned this guy before. Is a guy called Gary Webb who who uncovered links between the CIA and drug trafficking yeah back in 19 he did this in like in the mid1990s and he worked for mainstream media and they hit he got attacked for the story back in those days for doing a story about the CIA and drug trafficking. It was like, how's that that's impossible? What are you talking about? And he ended up getting attacked. First of all, his story was a big success. they turned against him and he got pushed out of his newspaper, really. So and this is going back to so this guy, and he ended up committing suicide. Oh, wow. And so ending on a positive story. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but he committed suicide. But I was thinking that guy today, but back then, you you knocked out of a newspaper. How are you going to make a living?
2: You know what to turn to. Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas nowadays, you know, you can start a Substack, start a YouTube, start a podcast, link up to people. I'm sure nowadays that guy be will be will be, will be ripping it. So, yeah, he'd be
0: killing us. He'd be on Twitter. Yeah, and there's like, yeah. there's there's no incentive for you to make stuff up, right? Like yeah. the incentive for you is to actually be accurate and just really just you know not editorialize too much and just like say this is what happened. Whereas now there's like the just the incentives are kind of uh, misaligned. I think in terms of like
1: yeah, I mean I mean well I guess though with, with the I mean with we're in difficult times and we we. I try and do good journalism, and what I try and do, you know, space like okay, I will have readers who trust me. So if they're subscribing to my newsletter, I build up a trust with them, and they like what I do. I, and I, and I so I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm not going to bullshit. Yeah,
2: I'm
1: going to tell the tell the story. That's just journalism.
2: You're just doing That's just journalism. This. Yeah.
1: However, however, there are though also incentives. I mean, there's you've seen there's people on like some of those accounts, social media accounts on Twitter. Um, who get massive followings just saying crazy incendiary stuff
0: yeah on both sides.
2: Or,
1: but, those,
0: but those people they get so many community now some people like you know they i guess they kind of want to use that like for ideological purposes but with the community note stuff now you go like oh this person's got so many of these you're like i, I don't trust them you know
1: yeah you want to, in long term will they burn themselves out or they get burned out because people yeah. kind of know they, uh, they but, play but, a
0: short uh, game yeah
1: yeah, but I don't know. I mean, people people have blown up through scandal, and, and you know. So, but uh, whatever. What can we do apart from uh, apart from just uh, fight our corner?
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you, Johan Grillo. Everybody, um, go follow him. Check out his books. Go check his website. I'll put all the links below. Uh, new episode of the Bathhouse tomorrow night, ten thirty p.m. live from the Stand, Comedy Club and Green Room. Have a good night, everybody.
3: All my shit heroic, empathic
1: abilities. yeah, my face be also stoic. We blow up, nigga. That just means I'm working. They see me as a
0: leader, so that's why I'm Captain Kirkin. These tracks from the stars, that much is for certain. You can feel this hit if you up or if you hurtin'. I'm raising my stock, not talking my feet to some Birkin. Number Johnny Five got a fucking short circuit. Bring the track to life when I spit phenomenon. When I hit, she feel that shit at her abdominals. These rappers make me laugh like Comic be they comic view. You know I got a ball out, I hit the track running just like Sonic do. Later when they don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. Try and get me on my hype shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah, then they try to down me up some KO type shit. Yeah, they don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah, we pulling up pressure on some flight shit. Uh. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah, they don't wanna turn on my light
3: switch. Uh. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah, they, uh. yeah. they was trying to get me on my hype shit. Yeah, they, they don't wanna turn on my light switch, yeah. they try to down me up some type shit, yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch,